Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And before we get any further, Happy New Year. It's it's 2019. How's your 2019 going? All, what, five days of it? Six days of it? Um, Nothing to complain about yet. That's a positive outlook? I, I don't really know. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's been going well. That, that's good. I can't complain. <laughs> Literally cannot. I cannot, yeah. Good. My mine has been going equally well with no complaints. But the thing about this, <laughs> the thing about this year is uh hopefully we won't much can complain about on the podcast because there's a lot of games coming out this year. I mean this is the year of Animal Crossing and Luigi's Mansion Three. I have some things to complain about. And another Pokemon game. What? I have some things to complain about on the podcast. Well, I guess we might as well just Cancel it now because I said this is the year we won't. So oh, all right, thanks no, yeah, for well, now. Well, yeah, I mean, of course the, we do. I, mean, I do reason, too. I mean, do too. The only thing, real reason I'm even bringing up Smash Brothers is because of that. Well, listen, I want to talk about Smash Brothers too. That's another thing we're talking about in this episode of Smash Brothers because I want to talk about some stuff too. So we're going to talk about that. You'd think we were done with Smash, we're not. We're also going to talk about another multiplayer game that got some pretty heavy usage over the holidays for us, which is uh, Jackbox Party Pack Five. But the big topic is New Year's, right? So we have. Um, like, we don't really know what Nintendo's doing. There's a whole year in front of us, so we're going to kind of use this opportunity to make some predictions about what we think might happen this year in gaming. And we're going to share our own personal game resolutions as well. That's a first for us. We always just do the big picture, not what we're going to do differently. So we have that, and because of that, we're calling this episode New Year, New Me. And that's me, M-I-I, because we're clever like that. Uh, and we've also got our $20 eShop gift card giveaway winner to announce. So... For all that, there's timestamps, as always, available on this episode's blog post at Ramtown.com, under the YouTube video if you're listening to us over in that world. Um, but let's just go straight to the predictions, like new year, new guessing, new speculation. Um, sure. Like, re- really, I guess the better way to describe this would be theories more than predictions, because like on one hand, we know a fair amount about what's coming this year. Uh, Nintendo's tipped their hand a bit more than usual, in, at least in terms of what they're working on for Switch. Like, usually we don't know as many games as we do. But on the other hand... There's still so much we don't. So it's kind of just us, like, I don't know, connecting the dots or sharing what we want to have happen, which leads me to ask you, what do you want in 2019 from Nintendo? What's your wish or prediction or theory or nightmare, if you want to stick with the complaining theme? Well, I mean, ideally, I wouldn't have anything to complain, but um, way out there, give me a single-player Bowser adventure game somehow. That's about it. I mean, maybe if Bowser's Inside Story does well again. next week <laughs> again for the how second did, time. How did it even do the first time? It Well enough to get a uh, repeat release with a new scenario tacked on. Like, they always do decently. Like, I don't think they're, like, lying up the chart, but they're not tanking either. They're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I want to know what Retro's up to, but I also don't want to know unless it's going to come out this year or within, like, five months of them announcing it. I feel like, yeah, that's the thing about Nintendo's. It could go either way, really. Because Nintendo's a strategy of, like, they announce games that are going to come out really soon and then bombard you with info for three or four months. Smash, Odyssey, Breath of the Wild. Or they do the logo tease where it's like, Metroid Prime 4, see you in five years. Or Bayonetta 3, see you in two years. So it could it could go either way. I'm, I'm hopeful, yeah, that whatever Retro's doing, they've been quiet for way too long. So hopefully this way would be long. the year that they announce it and release it. I don't know. Wasn't there what would you want where... it to be? Would you want a new IP? Would you want them to do a classic franchise? Eh, I guess a new IP. Like completely from scratch? Yeah. Interesting. Because a lot of people are speculating they're probably going to reboot an old one like Metroid, which seems a little too on the nose. Like, I remember people were like, oh, we'll have to do Mock Rider. It's like, no. And then there's that rumor about Star Fox Grand Prix, which I'm still in favor of being a real thing, but who knows if that's even real. Like the thing is also like, 
don't know. I feel like if they do something, make it a single-player adventure, kind of like Metroid Prime. I mean, not like it doesn't have to be a first-person shooter or anything, but like something with a beginning, middle, and an end. Nothing like a racing game that is kind of open-ended or like Smash right. Bros. Because you want you, you want something with story, narrative, yeah, I structure. Want, yeah, I want some narrative structure. I mean, that sounds like Donkey Kong Country Returns three to I, me. I mean, I'd be okay with that. Just make, do you guys how many people would not be okay just, with that? Just um, just make the Kremlings the enemy. I mean. Yeah, you got to flex your creative juices with the tiki's and the animals. Yeah, I guess the <laughs> the, the Antarctic animals. I was like, how they don't even get named the animals. Yeah, just the cold animals. But yeah. I don't the know. Chilled. I I kind of I want to see Kremlings a full Kremlin army rendered in 3D. I think if they were to do that, this would be the year because they got King K. Rule on Smash. Like they're having that kind of like reminder of that resurgence. Ex- uh, yeah, resurgence of that crew. So it, it would be possible. But I bet you a lot of people, if they did uh, Donkey Kong, would be pretty annoyed. Because like, here's the thing that's so stupid. Those games are very good. Yeah, but so many people good. are like, but that's not what I want Retro to make. It's like, yeah, but if someone else made it, it wouldn't be that good. So it's kind of like this weird, like, you do want to be Donkey you, If it's going to be Donkey Kong, you want Retro to do it, or someone of comparable talent. If it's not going to be Donkey Kong, I hope Retro just goes all in and does something crazy. If we do get a new Donkey Kong, I don't want Next Level Games to make it. I feel like they're... They make good games, but I don't think the, the art style they kind of tend to go with is probably not the one I would want to see on Donkey Kong. But I never considered Next Level doing that. I mean, because are, are they the ones doing Luigi's Mansion Yeah, they're 3? doing Luigi's Mansion, and I feel like they've kind of ruined the franchise, at least with Dark <laughs> Moon so far. I mean, ruined strong, but it, it, it lost some of its mystique. It lost all of its mystique. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it traded in mystique for um, variety, question mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I it's get what like, you mean. It did. It's like, oh, you found a cog. Now, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, I beat it. I, I played the whole they, thing. They took away. So obviously, it was entertaining enough for me to go all the way through. And I mean, I thought the final boss was all, like miles ahead of the final boss in the first Luigi's Mansion, just creative wise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I think Make I think it creepy. I, yeah, I think part of the problem is um, because they made it like bite size. Dark Moon because they need to make it like oh it's for playing on the go you know all that and multiple mansions that you go through them really quick it's like you can't really make something super atmospheric if you're rushing through like yeah. seven of them instead of one which is what gives me hope about Luigi's Mansion 3 is it all seems to be set in one giant hotel so they can do like they seem to like variety more uh, question mark as you put it so they can do more variety called... but keep the creep factor because it's all one setting so would have been nice if instead of know. like attaching numbers to the end I guess they didn't even They didn't. This is three is the well, only fine. one. Well, fine. of keeping... Because, I mean, the first one's Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. Makes sense. It's Luigi's Mansion. Second one... I know where you're None of them this. were Luigi's, and there were multiple ones, so I either called it Luigi's Mansions or... Yes. I vote that. Or something. And then the last one, I just called it Luigi's Hotel or Hotel, Hotel Luigi. Luigi. <laughs> and then that's a nice little nod to, you know... The yeah, game no one wants they, to remember. The internet would have eaten that up. They totally would have. I mean, it's not too late. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 is a placeholder name. That people would have been like, I hope there's lots of spaghetti in that hotel. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't think they're going to call it Hotel Luigi, but that's a solid prediction. I Maybe it will be. I mean, we should know soon enough. Like, There's, there's probably going to be a direct this month, and they, I'm sure they're going to Or Luigi's that. in trouble. But with two ends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I like these. All right, what else you got for 2019? I think I think Hotel Luigi is probably the, the best prediction we're going to have this whole show. So anyone listening, just turn it off now. We have... We have Yoshi's game peak. is officially called Yoshi's Crafted World, right? Correct. And rumor is it'll be out April twenty seventh, according to a leak listing from one of the Amazons. 
Well, let's see. Well, Possibly Metroid Prime be. 2 had Echoes and 3 had Corruption. 4 has yet to have a subtitle, but... Oh, we don't I'm, even know anything about 4. Like, I know. We that's know. It, yeah. Well, I mean... If We've seen a logo. They're trying to continue the story, which was, like, nicely wrapped up. Yeah. Because, I mean, if they're making a 4... But then you got Stylix, Stylix, Stylix yeah, but... coming in in his little ship and being like, I'm going to cause mayhem. Yeah, so I, I, I'm just going to guess they're going to go after one of the stereotypical sequel names, like revenge or i think insurgents or <laughs> returns yeah. wait they could do metro prime 4 return no metro prime you drop the number metro i think prime. that trilogy's done i think honestly like i think they could drop the number and then you have metro prime name return. and that implies returns which is a nice samus returns nod but that it also implies um it's a new story arc that implies it's a different developer like it lets them kind of separate the same way that federation force didn't have a number the same way that hunters didn't have a number they're set yeah. in the same world, but it's its own beast. The other thing that kind they... of bothered me that, like, I mean, I like the Prime. I mean, ignoring Prime Hunters, because, I mean, that was a good game, but that yeah. was clearly a spin-off. Like, the first three Prime games, like, all revolved around Phazon, and you fight, you literally fight Metroid Prime. Yeah. But there's, like, no more Metroid Prime. So... Well, it's because that's, like, the universe now, is the Metroid I know, Prime it's universe. Dumb. But they're all in the same continuity. But, but Prime acknowledge... implies it's a first-person 3D game. Non-Prime then implies just... it's not. Then I don't I know it's for stupid like marketing, or caught for marketing reasons. It's yeah. like all right, we need the name because the name has value instead yeah. of just coming up with a brand new. Sub- I mean, I would have just loved like Metroid something else. Remember they tried that with other M and how that one. So. Oh, that you're gonna say with Dread, but no. no well, like, Dread was never even real. Yeah, I mean it was, but it wasn't. It, it was an idea that it was a, it was an idea that got onto a game list and E3 press on E3 press kit from Nintendo, and everyone's like, wait, what? And Nintendo's like. Wait, what? And just quietly removed it and never spoke of it again. No, they they put it in. They, put oh, they it in, did eventually put it into. In yeah. Prime Three. Yeah, yeah. they're they're like they're like Project Dread, close to completion. But that was that was them riffing on the. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was that was I remember Dread, the rumors of Dread for so long. Well, I think another safe prediction we can make. We're really going wild with these super like weird predictions. I don't think Metroid Dread will be coming. Maybe it's Metroid Prime Four Dread. Well, we did get Metroid Metroid, Pro- Metroid Dread for all. No, that doesn't work. Hmm, are there any more? Maybe we'll get another remake, like Metroid Prime Two. I mean, like Metroid Two: Samus Returns on the 3DS. We're but just... for Switch this time? No, I think it'll still be on the 3DS. Really? I don't think they're greenlining anything new for 3DS. We have Epic Yarn and we we'll have Bowser. We'll, and we'll that's probably it. get like Metroid Prime Fusion. I mean, Metroid Fusion. Metroid Fusion Prime Four. Yeah. <laughs> Metroid Dread. Fusion Deluxe or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'd be on Switch if they if they put Deluxe it's on Switch. Basically, if you haven't noticed, all the, the 3DS Prime, games did, all. Did Metroid um, Two Samus Returns have a subtitle or anything, or were they just Metroid Two Samus Returns? Well, the subtitle is Samus Returns, and the no, name like is attached to that because that was the name of the original game. Oh, 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 oh! The they 3DS. took the two off. It was just Metroid Samus Return. I don't Return. No, it, it was originally Metroid Returns Samus, and it became Metroid Samus Returns. I think, right? I don't know. I didn't get it. I, I think so. I mean, I have it, but I don't remember. Yeah, why didn't you get it? Even came with the deluxe edition. I had like a soundtrack. That's still readily available, but um, yeah, Metroid Samus Returns. I think it was just because of the Switch. At that point, I was kind of like, uh, I yeah. don't really want to go back to the 3DS. Well, if you want to make the safest 2019 prediction, 3DS will be dead by the end of the year. There you go. Mic drop. I say it won't. When I say dead, I mean they're not going to be releasing new content for it. They'll still be selling off Legacy. It's going to have at least one more game you think? by Nintendo. Well, yeah, be- before the end of the year. All we know are two games. One coming out next week, Mario and Luigi. One coming out in, in been like, March, yet. which is Epic Yarn. Right, so they can have one more, do it during summer, do it in early fall, and it can still be dead by the end of the year. I'm sticking my guns on that one. I've been calling that for like two years. 
<laughs> You'll get it right eventually. Well, I kept saying 18 months after the Switch, 18 to 24 months after the Switch came out, mirroring the GBA, which is in the DS, which is exactly what's happening. So there. But okay, what else you got? Anything else? Mm. I mean, we could come back. We can alternate if you have more as as we go. I could do one mine. Pretty much all I got. Well, I've got one that's not quite as wild, but I do think one key thing that's gonna happen this year is that. Like, if you thought Switch was done with all the ports, surprise, there's going to be a ton more ports. Like, I, I think, honestly, we can end up with more Switch or more games ported to Switch in 2019 than we saw in previous years. And that includes last year, you know, the first half of last year was all ports. It was filler content. We got Bayonetta 1 and 2, DK Tropical Freeze, Hyrule Warriors, Captain Toad. Lego City, I think, was older than that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, all these filler games in like a five month span. And what's funny is, like, on the surface level, it doesn't feel like Nintendo's going to need the ports this year. Because, you know, last year they used all those Wii U ports to kind of um, stack the first half when there was nothing new. I mean, we all know because we just lived through it. The heavy hitters of 2018 were Pokemon, Smash, surprisingly Mario Party, and that was all Q4. We got nothing real. I mean, we got Mario Tess and Kirby, but that was it until Q4. So they needed the dead months to be all these ports, right? But then this year... At least theoretically, you wouldn't necessarily need that because the first party lineup is already pretty big. I mean, we've been talking about some of the games already, but like there's Yoshi's Crafted World, there's Damon X Machina, there's Animal Crossing, there's Luigi's Mansion, Hotel Luigi, there's um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, there's the next core Pokemon game, there's Fire Emblem 3 Houses, there's maybe Bayonetta 3, there's maybe Metroid Prime 4, there's stuff we don't know about yet. And I'm guessing that if all those, if they space these right, that's 8 out of 12 months probably that Nintendo's games covered for. They could put a new game out roughly every six to eight weeks all year long off just that. So you would think ports wouldn't be needed. But here's the thing, and here's why I think they're going to keep doing it. They're turning down free money if they don't. Like, if you look at a game like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, sold more on Switch than Wii U, or take Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which, you know, we know it's one of Switch's best-selling games ever, right? But a crazy new stat came out of the UK that says in 2018, um, Mario Kart 8 sales were actually 32% higher than in the release year of 2017 in an industry where games traditionally drop off in sales over time it's crazy that mario kart's literally going up year over year and should nintendo be able to replicate that with other ports maybe not in raw numbers but just you know conceptually with having more ports they're of course going to take that opportunity there's no way they aren't i mean we're already they're already trying next week we're getting new super mario brothers u deluxe comes out on friday and January is normally a month where Nintendo has, you know, nothing. They completely ignore the month. Yet, here they are taking a series that normally has huge sales legs, and they're like, hey, maybe we can make Lightning Strike twice. Maybe we can get another Mario Kart 8 or another Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, and they're just pumping it out there. So I bet you, even though we have a stack 2019, we're going to see a lot of games from systems we previously owned bubbling back up in between those games. And uh, I don't, I don't honestly think... New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, which is a mouthful of a name. I don't think that's going to sell anywhere near Mario Kart 8 Deluxe numbers. I mean, we both double-dipped on Mario Kart 8. I don't think either of us are getting you, right? But are you getting you? No. Yeah, me neither. No. But why... Okay. Why do you... Like, I suspect a lot of you owners are not getting it again. I want... What do you think... So why aren't you getting it? Because I have a theory as to why. Um, There's no new content if you already purchased all the... But see, you could argue... That's true of Mario Kart 8 as well. There were there was new battle modes. And there's 
a new character. <laughs> yeah, but the character know, doesn't add yeah. anything. The battle mode actually adds new locations. Yeah. I think it's bigger than new that. ways to play. But this one, like the Nabbit was already there. Yeah. To- Toadette doesn't really change Super anything. Super Crown. Much. Super Crown. That changes even less. It's I know. Good. You know, what I think it is. I think it's bigger and than just repeat con. Uh, the the lack of new content. That's literally. The I only think reason. it. No, I think it's also the lack of replayability. Like, think about it. if you go through a platformer. You're essentially going through the same experience every time. I mean, perhaps you can vary it with how many people are joining you for co-op or which character exactly, you're playing as. The lack it's of new the, content. Right, right, right. No, but I'm saying like even if you take out Balmo, Mario Kart 8 could still be worth double dipping on because oh, it's dying. Well, hold on. For a lot of people, not necessarily for you, but what I was gonna say is something like Mario Kart 8. It's more dynamic. Like every race is different. You don't have the same experience twice, really, ever. And then if you think about the fact, well, oh, if all my friends that play online are now on Switch and you want to continue to play Mario Kart, you need to move to Switch. Battle mode was just icing on the cake. Like, I didn't buy it so much for battle mode as much as, like, well, no one's going to play the Wii U version. I need to be over here on Switch. Like, it sounds like in your case you did get it because of the battle mode, not in no, spite of the battle mode. of course mode. not. So then you did get it because everyone moved over. Not because everyone moved over, just because you know, I wasn't done with the game. Fair enough, and but with Mario U, you were definitely done because once you play it once, you play it once. Well, yeah, hundred yeah. percent of it. So exactly. So exactly. I think no new content, so no new. Games. Yeah, I think we're basically saying the same thing two different ways. But yeah, yeah, it's literally the same thing. I mean, yeah, cause yeah, it, we're it, saying it, the same thing two different ways. <laughs> yeah, like if even Mario Kart, like I mean, it can get. I mean, I haven't really touched it all that much. Like it, yeah, it does get old after a while, unless like that's your jam. It just has more longevity than a platformer where once you be a level, you be a yeah, level. You, yeah, you need more levels. Yeah. Which they're not doing. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like, on some level, it's I mean, not, not, for... not everyone got Luigi. I mean, Super Luigi, but. Yeah. I mean, I well, did... they did bundle it with the game. I know, that's right. So it's yeah. nice that they're. That's how they're artificially creating new levels of it. Yeah. And we're actually losing levels because. Yes, the challenge. The, yeah, because we don't have the touchscreen challenges anymore. And those were actually really fun. The thing really I don't cool. understand is they didn't sub in anything to replace it. They're just like, well, that doesn't work. And they could have totally done it with the Joy Con. Just use a pointer. Like, right? Am I am I crazy? Like, it, I mean, you're just tapping where you want the blocks to go. Just use a pointer to indicate where you want I mean, the blocks be to go. Crappy, but I mean, at least will it be that it. bad? Because like, yeah. like the um, little the... inferno managed to map fake motion controls. Yeah, but all. but the game was always like a like a point of clicking. There's like no urgency. Like, you don't have that's to, true. There, you you have there to do is an urgency quickly. issue. Like yeah. for Mario, you have to do things like almost like precisely, like that's true. really quickly, like on the dot, and it. Doing with a point, you're going to overshoot a lot. That's true. That's true. I take back the fact that they can still do it. But yeah, it is. It, I mean, like, on Nintendo's part, I feel like it's not totally for lack of trying here. They basically looked at Donkey Kong, uh, the Switch version of Tropical Freeze, and were like, well, what can we do to Mario U to bring it up to parity with that in terms of features? So, you know, they have easier modes, like kind of the Funky Kong mode, but it's Nabbit yeah, and Toadette. They didn't really didn't have any new levels they right just, but it still sold Kong. super well, oh, yeah. well yeah, which is why they're doing this yeah because yeah, I mean, it makes sense the switch didn't so yeah and and i mean like you mean the wii u the wii u did yeah yeah and like and the thing is like they are doing like little nips and tucks to quality of life like stuff like you can switch characters on the fly for the first time or like uh super luigi u as an easy mode now so it's not just this grueling thing like if you use nabbit or uh, toadette you get double the time so it's basically like a, another 200 normal mario levels or however many it is 130 I don't remember. Um, And, and, you know, there's, like, little UI tweaks, and there's a lot of stuff they're doing to try and make it a better version of an already solid game, but it does ultimately come down to, you know, we have played this before, and there's not enough new stuff. And to to be fair, like, it does perfectly fit the Switch's multiplayer focus. Like, it has drop-in, drop-out co-op, which is, like, 
the bat signal of attracting people to a game on Switch. I just, you know, throw that on there and people are like, oh, and flock to it. So, yeah, I know. And, and I mean, like, Nintendo is, they're pushing it really hard, too. I mean, for the, for the past, I don't know, like, two weeks, maybe? Three weeks? I keep, every time I open Instagram, in my feed is an ad for New Super Mario Brothers U. Like, Nintendo keeps promoting it. And then over in Japan, they're running this whole ad campaign as the type of thing you expect from, like, a really big, high-profile release. But it's for a port, a barely enhanced port. And, like, the commercials are actually pretty cool. Um, basically, it's always people doing, like, real-life stuff, like, just going about their day in real life, but they're mimicking Mario moves as they go. Like, it's hard to describe, but um, it, it looks cool. It, we'll link to it in the blog post if you want to see it, anyone out there. But I, I, it's really well done to add so it. feels like, oh, there's a major new Mario game. And then at the end, it's like, Mario U. And you're like, oh, that's that game from, um, like, six years ago, seven years ago. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, came out in 2012, I think. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah, so I don't think, I, I guess the point is, I don't think it's going to do cart numbers. But even if it does, let's say, four or five million, you know, primarily as a release that services like uh, new Switch owners who didn't have a Wii U or people who have gift cards from the holidays and now they want to spend it on something. Like, that's still a hefty market. So in that way, it's still significant for Nintendo. It's just not so much for you, me, and probably most people listening. But I think, like, this is an example of how Nintendo's going to do ports in 2019. Because it's, it's kind of like the ultimate example, really. Because there's still a lot of Wii U content that can fit well on Switch. You know, you got Mario 3D World that also has the local multiplayer emphasis. Super Mario Maker can, you know, use the Switch's touchscreen, or if you're playing on TV, that one you can probably get by with a Joy-Con doing the controls because it's not really as urgent to set up a level. Yeah. Um, even games like, you know, Wonderful 101 or like Tokyo Mirage Sessions, they will be niche even on Switch, but when you have a much larger audience, that niche is just that much bigger and the sales could be that much better, kind of like how Bayonetta's port worked last year. Wasn't lying things, you know, wasn't lying up the charts, but it was doing well because it had a broader niche to work with. Did it do well? It didn't do horribly. It sold pretty well, like compared to the um, the uh, Wii U versions, at least. But I don't know. Am I missing any Wii U games that make sense? Like, I guess they could do Pikmin three. But at that point, I kind of want them to just do four and ditch three. Yeah, yeah. Because three short. I mean, even if they throw in the DLC, it doesn't feel uh, like they. I could. don't know. The having the map on the was pretty clutch. Pretty cool. Yeah, especially in multiplayer. Like whenever we would do the the missions, the mission mode was really really well done. That's like the only good thing about Pikmin three. So do do you think any any sort of Pikmin four on Switch? They claim Pikmin four is coming out. Miyamoto said a few years ago Pikmin four is almost done. Then hey, Pikmin bubbled up on three DS, and I don't think that was Pikmin four, or at least not the one Miyamoto was referring to. But there is a Pikmin floating around somewhere. Do you think anything they do on Switch is going to be almost a regression compared to three? Not so much in gameplay, but in terms of how it's structured because you don't have the map anymore. Like, is, it, is there any way to, like, I mean, not have it be a total step backwards? Like, with on-screen map? I mean, I don't know. You know it, it, it's going to be smaller. It's, it's going to be a step backwards. I mean, Pikmin with pointer controls is really, really, really good. But pointer controls are never going to be as good as with the infrared. So, right. So, I mean, and it's I mean it's doable with GameCube controllers. I mean, with normal controllers. Cause, I mean, yeah, it works I mean, on GameCube. I mean, I love Pikmin 2. I mean, I didn't play the uh, the remake one with the pointer controllers, but... Like, oh, yeah. I forgot they did those, the new play control series. But all of a sudden, I like, did 100% all those missions, and they were really hard, and we had to do it with the fixed distance with your aimer, but... Right. So it's possible, but then again, damn, it, it's going to kind of suck to have to go back to that because pointer controls are way better. Yeah. And then the map was just really good. And now it's going to be really squished, if anything. 
Yeah, if it's even there. Like, it'll yeah. probably be on its own little menu that you have to keep pressing pause. I, I did like, and this goes back to Pikmin Especially 1. because you were micromanaging multiple captains. Like, it was really nice on the touchscreen to just tap and drag. Like, all right, you go here, you go here, and I'll control my main dude on the TV. Keep track of you guys on the touchscreen. Oh, you're almost done. All right, let me give you another command, and there you go. Pikmin 3 is almost like one of the few examples of the gamepad actually like enhancing a game in a not yeah, like in like, a not gimmicky asymmetric gameplay sort of way. Like the game mechanics and everything about the gameplay in Pikmin 3 was really really good and everything I wanted in the Pikmin mm-hmm. sequel. Mm-hmm. It's just the level design around it was horrible. And by horrible I just mean way too easy. It's also very short. Yeah, easy and not much to do. They cranked that. Th- you could tell they cranked that thing out because they need some big name games on Switch. I mean, Wii U very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, because like you know, then they started doing the DLC, and then like wasn't it was it the Christmas pack or something that was actually about what you would want out? Oh of yeah, Pikmin? that's why eventually like yeah. the DLC started out like okay, but then soon it got like really good, and it was like whoa, like this is what Pikmin Three should have been from the beginning. But nope. It definitely feels like one of those games. Like it was almost like the first pass at how they release Splatoon or how they now release a bunch of their games, like Arms, where it's like, oh, we'll do bare minimum in the base game, and then we'll start enhancing it with DLC. But because they're still like figuring it out, they made the DLC. It was paid, right? Yeah. And they didn't really yeah, get the timing right. But yeah, but like now they would probably do if they did something like Pikmin Three as a release. Now they probably do free support for like six months or a year or something, and so they trickle out content, and that lets them achieve the same goal of getting the game out quick. But, you know, building up the content without charging people. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, Pikmin's maybe not the best example. I, yeah. I mean, because I was originally thinking, like, you can't do Game of Wario. You can't do Nintendo Land. Those went import. But I didn't really think about Pikmin not being portable. Huh, mm. portable. But it is, but there's I mean, a, it's a lot of concessions. But that's, but that's not like a, like their AAA category. Oh, you mean like from the Wii? Yeah. Punch there's Island. a bunch of Wii. I mean, Metroid Prime Trilogy. Like, so many people were hyped for that when it was rumored yeah. for Game Awards and nothing came. I mean, it's the first time you'd be able to play Prime 3 with normal, traditional, not motion controls. And yes, I did need to say that three different ways. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it just seems like there is a lot of room for Nintendo to do ports that appeal to fans and to casuals who maybe haven't played these games before. Like, the whole Wii library. It seems like a lot of Wii games are actually playing on 3DS, like Epic Yarn. Hmm. But, or Donkey Kong Country Returns or whatever. But, yeah, I think there's opportunities to do, like, upscale, you know, remaster. Just make it 1080p and call it a day, like, whatever. And I think 2019, like I'm hoping where it differs from 2018 is that it will balance better what core Nintendo fans want and have already played with what with stuff that can appeal to casuals with entirely new content that can appear to appeal to both. So like, if Nintendo can offer those ports in the right order and maybe like sequence them out better with new content in between, since there's so much new stuff as we were saying before. Like, I think they can release, they can maintain, like, the release strategy of 2018, but in a way that can excite the core fans like the release strategy of 2017 did. Because 2018 had a fair number of games. It's just there wasn't the hype in the same way that 2017 was because there's so many ports. So they can just, like, stagger them or every other of them in between new releases or whatever. That That's, like, the sweet spot. And I feel like they have their ducks in a row to make that happen this year. So that that's potentially very exciting. Um, and that's just the first party side. Because uh, one particularly exciting prospect of 2019 to me is that third parties, I think, are going to be stepping up even more in their support of Switch. Like, a lot of their releases are probably going to be ports as well. Um, like, when I said a ton of ports, when I was saying, like, we're going to see a ton this year, I meant, like, not just from Nintendo. Because already in the same way that Mario U is sort of saying the tone with one 2019 prediction in mind, 
I feel like the Switch remaster of Tales of uh, Vesperia, which comes out the same day as Mario U, is saying the tone in like the other way for third parties. Which actually, before we get to that, you're a Tales fan. Are you are you buying that? It's out next week on PS4. Ah, but you are buying it. Yeah. Did course. you ever play the original? No, because it was an Xbox 360 exclusive. Right. So why PS4? Because I'm that's just where I have my Tales games, I guess. Except on the other systems, where you also. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have them on my PlayStation, basically. Oh, you do? Yeah. Huh. I mean, unless they're exclusive to the Nintendo console, that's why I have them. Right, right. So what... what like, it, like Tales of Abyss on 3DS or... Symphonia on GameCube if you want to go way back. Yeah. Symphonia, they could do a re- They could do a well, remaster they, they did, remake. They did do a remaster of Symphonia on the PS3. And now they can port to Switch, and I bet you yeah. do pretty well. I bet you if Asperia um, does well, they'll do that, honestly. Because, like, it's the right fan base. Like, I could see Sega doing Skies of Arcadia for the same reason. No, like, yeah, these are games that did really well for Nintendo fans I mean, in the past. I don't... They did say that they were already working on the Tales game for the Switch, so that would be the one I would get for the Switch, obviously, because it's on Switch. But it was not this, right? No, I think they said they were working the on an one? exclusive ah. Tales game. So, so does Vesperia actually have anything that differentiates, like, a unique feature, or is it just kind of, like, a good Tales game? It's just a good Tales game. Ah. It's, Which is probably why it's kind it, of it, it apparently just rivals Symphonia. Oh, really? People think okay. it's as good, if not better. Interesting. But, you know, it's, like, tomato-tomato at that point. Right. Personal preference. Right, right. But... But yeah, that's yeah, out next man. week. And, like, yeah, kind of the the reason I brought it up is, like, like I was saying, like, kind of like how Mario used, like, oh, we can see first-party ports all year. Here's, like, the first step of all the third-party ports, probably. Um, like, I mean, I realize, I should be clear, I realize this third-party prediction. I want Zombie U again. Yeah, except it doesn't work without the... It doesn't work it, without it, but... It's not as good. I know, yeah, it's not as good for sure. I mean, like... It would just be called Zombie. It, 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 inventory management won't... Be, I mean, it's just going to be what it is on the PS4 and Xbox One. Right. I mean, but portable. Yeah, but portable. Yeah. Oh, wait, it is on the PS4. I guess I could just get it. Or I should just play, just play the Wii U one, dude. Like, it's so much better because it has the asymmetric. Like, I wanted Zombie U is, like, one of the go-to examples oh, no, I give. No, I, I thought I gave it to a friend as a gift. But, if you didn't, it, you could borrow but, mine. But it's on my shelf. I could oh, see well, there here. you go. But, yeah, if they bring it to Switch, first of all, they have to rename it to Zombie with no U. Or Zombwitch or something. But it, yeah, no, it's a, it's it's always one of the go-to examples when someone's like, "What's cool about the Wii?" I'll be like, "Well, it does things like Nintendo Land, and then it does things like Zombie U." And I never even think of Pikmin, but I should probably start name dropping that one too. And the Definitely. once in a blue moon time, these people these people ask me these questions, but yeah. but yeah, it's um like I what I was starting to say is I realize like third-party ports is probably the safest prediction you can make. Like I don't even know if I would call it a prediction. Like you know, we we've known for much like Reggie said in an interview months ago that third-party activity in 2019 it's gotta go up. And Switch sales obviously are high enough now that they're catching the eye of any publishers. Uh, I mean, actually, there's a stat I saw the other day that here in California, the single best-selling item on Walmart.com for all of 2018, number one item across every type of item you can imagine, the Switch. Wow. In other states... Even over food? Yes. In other states, the top-selling individual items were things like uh, paper towels, Crayola crayons, there must be a sale, uh, instant pots for cooking. Uh, those are trendy i guess in the cooking world but here mason in california jars. what mason jars i did not see any mason jars i guess it'd be more michaels if anything but here in i guess <laughs> well they sold them there i don't know if they oh them. yeah but yeah here in california it was the switch is the most popular item sold on walmart single item sold on walmart so like that should catch the eye of third-party publishers and really the the evidence i think that we're going to see this huge wave of additional ports and support it's already kind of in motion like we mentioned a couple episodes ago super briefly Codemasters is bringing Grid to the Switch, which is a big deal since the last time they support a Nintendo platform 
in any sort of meaningful way was I think like the like 2009 and 10 with the Wii. Actually, no, I take that back. I they had one F1 racing game on Wii U, but I think it was like a licensed thing and not one of their like top tier properties like Grid or Dirt or anything like that. So the fact that they're bringing like a major quote unquote co-master's property to switch seems kind of potentially big but besides that there's also been all these retailer listings popping up suggesting that various games are coming the big one um that popped up in december was an assassin's creed compilation for switch and while that may not seem huge it's notable because unlike in the wii u or wii days ubisoft has been very picky with what it brings to switch yeah, didn't we only get three and black flag so on wii u we got three and black flag on wii u i would argue ubisoft was a bigger supporter of wii u than they ended up being of switch sort of because wii u they threw every they totally bought into that idea of oh the wii u's gonna bridge the hardcore gamers and the casuals so they threw all the casual stuff and all the hardcore stuff we had watchdogs on wii u it took an extra year but it was there that's true on switch all they've done so far is family-friendly fair including Mario and Rabbids, which is an excellent game, and the South Park RPGs. They haven't really done... And I guess in Japan, they had the cloud-based version of Assassin's Creed briefly to test. It might still be there. I don't even know. But it's not like, you know, a real release. But now, to see Ubisoft have the confidence to bring their quote-unquote serious games to Switch, like that, that's a promising sign that third parties are really viewing the system in a more meaningful light. And, like, yeah, it just, it just seems like a big deal. It's, like, I mean... They, they ended up not doing much with Assassin's Creed besides 3 and 4 on Wii. They're like, well, that didn't work, and they called it a day. So it, it's like it's like they started with high expectations for Wii U, and then it kind of dropped off. And with Switch, they started low, and now they're kind of building up. So now that Switch has moved into, like, the Ass Creed echelon in Ubisoft's, like, mind, that seems promising to me. And yes, I did just call it Ass Creed, because I love that nickname. It's so stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I was about to say that I wonder which games might actually end up in the compilation. But then I realized Hold I on. don't think I've ever actually played an Assassin's Creed. So I don't even know if I could even say. I mean, I watched a friend during our freshman year of college play I mean, a good chunk. if you want to do, it would probably be like one, two, three, Brotherhood. I guess that's it. They could throw in the PSP and side-scrolling Because those are all the, I want to say two. Oh, no. Yeah. At the very least, they would have every game that has Ezio in it, which I believe was like the most popular protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Which would make it part two, Brotherhood, and I think there was some other one. But or I think maybe just those two were the. Have the you actually played any of them ever, or are you in the same boat as me? Um, I watched Elvis play them. You're literally in the same boat as me. I've watched but never played. Yeah, I don't know. They they looked fun. Yeah, yeah, it, and it never just, really caught my eye like enough to play it. See, I think we're the prime example of why something like a compilation of Assassin's Creed would work so well on Switch and make sense because like they can easily just throw the first three games on there or the or the three you mentioned or whatever like all the earlier ones and if you're a nintendo only gamer who owns a switch you only got three in black flag on wii u you never really got to experience the earlier games and if you played them back when they came out on another system it's also been long enough that you now might want to revisit them with the ad benefit portability like that should be enticing to people so like they're really i don't see a way they lose if they do this and i think uh ubisoft after looking at sales numbers and everything's like yeah we don't see a way we lose either and now here we are yeah, it's so weird when there's like a franchise as big as Assassin's Creed that's been on Nintendo systems. It's been everywhere. It's been on DS. It's been on DS. It's been on not 3DS, but it's been on DS. It's weird to think like, how did I never play one of those at all? <laughs> like, it's like, uh, like you know, I've played Call of Duty. I've played like, how did that one slip through? Call of Duty? 
No, Assassin's Creed. Oh, I'm just saying, like, how how is it that I mean, such most, a I mean, most major... people want to play from the beginning. Like, if I were to yeah. play Assassin's Creed, I want to start with Assassin's Creed 1, but we've never had Assassin's Creed yeah. access to that one. We started with 3 and yeah. then 4. And by then, it's like, even though Part 3 has nothing to do with 1 or 2, I mean, yeah. I guess core story-wise, like, still, it's kind of like when we got Mass Effect 3. Yes. And not 1 and 2. Yes. And you know what the worst part about we got, that? That still bothers me. There was me. a 1 and 2 compilation that you... No, were... there's a 1, 2, 3 compilation. Oh. And it came out two weeks prior for other systems. And then Wii U owners only got three two weeks later. And oh, I'm like, but, but that's because we why? got the little comic book that caught us up with 1 and 2. Yeah, but I would much Digital rather... comic book. It was like I'd, a little cutscene. I'd but... much rather have the full games, personally. No, yeah, of course. I know, I know. But yeah, it was like, that's, that's such... Like, EA, really, that they sent that game to die. Like it, th- when I think of EA, I still think of why did they send Mass Effect three to die? Like that was such a weird move. They obviously knew it was in the pipeline, the compilation. Like how hard? I don't know. It's bizarre. But actually, that does bring us to EA, which um, I think they're actually the biggest tell, the biggest new tell that suggests that twenty nineteen will be the year of third party support for Switch. Because there's this rumor going around currently that EA is finally seriously looking to support switch beyond just fifa games and the rumor stems from a youtuber named doc doc trey 81 who claims that he found a private linkedin page and on that linkedin page there's a software engineer for ea and he lists one of his responsibilities as bringing existing sdks for switch to and i quote allow game teams to enable publishing games on switch i guess secrecy wasn't one of his responsibilities i get well it was a private linkedin page so he tried and still failed, but yeah, it. Uh, so this, of course, led a lot of people to speculate that that must be the EA Frostbite engine coming over, which they use to power everything from Madden to Battlefield to the upcoming Anthem, and it possibly is already running or will soon be running on Switch. Which you know that sounds minor in a way. That's a big development considering EA's previous stance on Switch. Like really, Switch has been kind of a second-class citizen for EA, more so maybe even than Mass Effect Three on Wii U. Because, like, even with FIFA, which does quite well on Switch, is a big co-marketing push from Nintendo, it's not at all comparable to the Xbox and PS4 versions. It's not up to par. It's missing features. It's missing modes. EA decided that they're going to build it in a separate engine on Switch, as some of you may remember. But then just a few weeks ago, because of all this, there's this huge brouhaha um, over the fact that there's this in-game event called Footmas. It offered daily challenges, new objectives, new players, and it was all within the game's ultimate team mode which is something not in the Switch version because it doesn't have Frostbite powering it, so they didn't build this in because they would have to build the whole thing from scratch for the Switch engine. So FIFA 19 on Switch, no ultimate uh, team mode, no footmas. Problem is, EA still got Nintendo to promote this in-game event, both on the NOA Twitter feed and in the Switch's news app. It took a week for EA to issue a statement going, whoops, sorry, yep, that's not on Switch. We didn't mean to promote that. Everything we just told you is free, doesn't even exist for you. Our bad. That's messed up. Yeah, and as you can imagine, like, those who do own FIFA 19 were pretty upset to get this reminder that, like, they paid the the same 60 buck MSRP as, you know, the other versions, but they didn't get this huge mode, the central mode of the game. They didn't get all these events or in-game extras that were all free, and then they got, like, rubbed in their face by Nintendo and EA. And the fact that it took EA a week to respond shows how little you would, they seem to care about Switch, right? Like, you would think they'd be like, oh, that's, that's, that's not good, and catch it within a day, but nope. And that's partly, to me, what makes this rumor such a big deal. Because if true, EA is basically doing a complete 180 on its Switch stance. Like, at bare minimum, it probably means FIFA 2020 
will be uh, on par with the Xbox and PS4 versions. Super HD. Super HD 4K. Well, not that. But, well, just because of 2020. Oh. What? Vision. Oh, yes. I see what you're doing. Super – it will be crystal clear. Yeah. Extra clarity. But no, um, at bare minimum, it's going to have ultimate team mode if this rumor is true. But beyond that, it opens up a very easy path for EA to bring over other games. You know, like Madden feels kind of like a shoe in in the same way that FIFA was. There was actually a period there, I don't know if you remember in the Wii days, where Madden on Wii was like a big seller and had some cool, actually like really cool, unique features thanks to the Wii remote. Like you could do a thing where you could basically uh, use the motion controls for play calling where you like kind of drew the plays and it actually would do it. Yeah, it was really cool. And there were like two or three years that FIFA, or not FIFA, Madden on Wii U was actually like a really good product and it sold well and if they can capture that magic again on Switch that's a good opportunity for them or you know maybe they bring down a scale or they bring down they bring over a scaled down Battlefield like that's a wide open gap in the Switch's lineup they could just throw Battlefield on there or about or like uh, you know Star Wars Battlefront or something like that but what's most exciting for me about this potentially is just having EA support Switch in any meaningful way means they can start bringing over their killer backlog because frankly they have a killer backlog like even without frostbite ignore frostbite think of all the older stuff they can get up and running now that they supposedly care about switch if this is true you know they can bring over like mirror's edge or burnout those are great like now playable on the go type of games they could do plants versus zombies garden warfare which is like kind of perfect for the splatoon crowd it's very similar they could do sim city which would pair nicely for folks who have i don't know civilization six or roller coaster tycoon adventures or whatever they could do dead space like they could use that to go after the doom and wolfenstein and resident evil crowd on the system like they could they could even they could even write the mass effect wrong they already have the trilogy on ps3 and 360 or yeah right that's what it was on just port that to switch that will sell make it a portable revisit of the series leading into mass effect 4 it's like, Bring over Dragon Age Inquisition. That one. That would be cool. I only hear good stuff about that. One. Yeah, and like, like I mean, what? There's so many possibilities. Like, are there any that you'd be? Did you? Ever, I feel like you played Dead Space. Did you play? I feel like I remember you saying that once. I played most of Dead Space. Would Would that be something if they brought to Switch? They'd be interested in because like there's so many games in their library. I'm just like, oh, that could be. Yeah, cool. I liked. Well, I like horror games, so I would definitely give that one a shot. A better shot. I'd be down for Need for Speed, Burnout. I like racing games. It's not EA, but I do kind of wish there was a sequel to... Um, oh, my God. Well, now I'm blanking out on the name, even though I just had it. It's the one by Disney Interactive. Epic Mickey. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a racing game. It's like a realistic racing game, but it's kind of like a Michael Bay film and a racing game combined. Oh, I know what you're talking it's about. Like, yeah, you build a point. Yeah, it was it, by it, the burnout team. Yeah, because the burnout and then team split from the burnout. To, like, I'll find it. Create disaster. Yeah, Disney interactive. Hot pursuit. Um, no, that's a Need for Speed game. Velocity? Disney? No, not quite. Split second. Split Sorry, second. excuse me. Split slash second. Yeah, that was a really cool from 2010. Game. See, that would be great. I mean, that's di- well, Disney and Nintendo are on good ter- excuse me are on good terms. I mean, we're getting Marvel Ultimate Alliance three maybe. Maybe they'll give us a split second. I doubt it. Disney doesn't even make Disney really make their own games. That's part of the reason they gave Nintendo Marvel. Well, Disney yeah. sort of got out of the game publishing business. But yeah, someone owns the rights to that. And if they could bring it to Switch, that'd be super cool. But yeah, like all these old games suddenly can have a new life on Switch. And it feels like if a lot of third parties jump on that bandwagon, which it looks like they are with stuff like EA, like that's a really good opportunity. 2019 feels like the year. But there are two um, particular EA opportunities i want them to seize if this rumor is true first star wars like they own the license 
Yeah, but have there been a good Star Wars game? Well, since... See, there doesn't have to be. Here's what I'm thinking. Make a new one? They own the license. Yeah, they could make a new one, but I wasn't thinking that necessarily. They own the license. They could work out a deal with Nintendo and Lucas. They could get a compilation of Rogue Squadron remastered onto Switch. All three oh, of them, okay, okay. one collection. The same way that people are hyped about Metroid Prime Trilogy, they get hyped about this. I'm sure it would do well. You don't even need to like really upscale the graph or like you know redo the graphics. Just up res to 1080. People will probably be happy. Maybe do a little like improvements of the lighting or something. Like bare minimum, and people will still probably get it. Yeah, just um, budget price it. Yeah, like make it like thirty or forty bucks instead of sixty, and it could do really well. And like this, if the series is old enough where it'll appeal to people's nostalgia, so there's gonna be a lot of double dipping. And with Star Wars being super in right now because of the movies and everything, obviously it's always in, but it's like extra in, especially this year when Episode Nine comes out and brings that to a close. It's an easy opportunity to sell the game. The same way that I suspect that Marvel Ultimate Alliance is gonna time around either Avengers Four hitting theaters or hitting home release home video it's not really home video anymore home release um you know i think the same way that avengers will or ultimate alliance will release around one of those two events they could release this trilogy right at the same time as episode nine Hmm. like i think that'd be really cool or here's a second thought and one you may not expect me to say they could do stuff with the sims like the sims actually has a weird history with nintendo I mean, in, in I forget most... that's an EA property. Yeah, but yeah. it is a popular one. Or it is, some and, version there. and it's been through weird forms on Nintendo systems. Like the the basic ones were, you know, we had Sims Two and Sims Three on DS and 3DS respectively. But EA also like went wild with it, kind of. Like I don't know if you remember back in the Wii and DS heyday, they made Urban. Oh, I'm getting to herbs. The herbs. Oh, the spelled herbs. with a Z. No, I'll get there first. Let's ask you if you remember my Sims. Kind of. So really. my Sims was like is like they took the Sims. I remember Tomodachi it... Friend or something like that. No, not Tomodachi Friend. Tomodachi no. Life is an Nintendo. No, no, game. it was like one of like the launch DS titles, and it was just like a pen pal thing. Oh, um, like a pen pal simulator. Yeah, it was. It was like PictoChat except without PictoChat. Yeah, like um, and you, yeah, that was by THQ. It was. And uh, there was like some, there was like some portraits of random characters. And I guess oh, what was it called? Was it, it pen was, pals? No, uh, it might have been actually. Yeah, because they were like, what if we build a whole game around the idea of writing people messages because you have the touch screen? Yeah. Which at the time was kind of cool. And then Nintendo's like, what if we built in a real messaging feature? And then I'm sure some developers were like, what? And cracked open whiskey and chugged the whole bottle on the spot in despair. But um, yeah, no, it, it, I think it might have been called Pen Pals. But no, um, My Sims was like this weird amalgamation of like chibi art styles with The Sims with Animal Crossing. So like you went to a town and there were different people who had different roles. There was like a magician and a librarian, librarian and like a chef and what have you. And then you lived out your little sim life, but a big component was you were building things now. So you collect essence to like build furniture or remodel your house. So it's kind of like the collecting of items and customization of Animal Crossing mixed with like the Sims. And it did like okay, but it was kind of an interesting idea. And it shows that, you know, there's some flexibility in the franchise. And then of course, on the other end of the spectrum is what you just mentioned, which is the herbs. Which by the way, it's not just called the herbs spelled with a Z. It's the herbs Sims in the city. So in case like suburban sims wasn't good enough you can go live as an urban sim and this wasn't exclusive to nintendo systems it was on gamecube it was on ds when it first launched it was on ps2 and everything else but what's funny about it is how hard ea tried it featured music from the black eyed peas um and the idea was if i remember correctly it was basically the sims if the sims was set in a city and had actual gameplay goals 
So there's a story, there's progression, there are villains you were defeating, there's an unnecessary amount of Will I Am cameoing in the game. It was very strange. I don't think it aged particularly well. I haven't gone back and watched any videos of it, but I feel like I feel like if you go watch the herbs, it's gonna be very much a product of two thousand three, two thousand four. But the the reason I mentioned these is EA is comfortable messing with the Sims formula a bit to fit different platforms, fit different eras and whatnot. So if you have the huge base of Animal Crossing fans already on Switch or soon to be coming to Switch, there feels like an opportunity here to like tweak Sims 4 a little bit, make it more Switch-friendly, make it more console-friendly. Maybe don't go like full herbs. Don't bring Will I Am into this. But you could do something that stands out a bit if you're EA. Like this is a really good opportunity. Like I've always liked the idea of the kind of more experimental Sims. This is like honestly, the core game gets like I hate to say this because I know it's so popular, but maybe it's just me. The core game gets kind of boring pretty quick. Like the core of the Sims, I remember playing back in the day, and be like, "This is super cool," and then I got really tired of it really fast. Like I love the idea that it's Sim City, but instead of a city, you're controlling individual people. Like you're managing those people's lives instead of managing a city of people's lives. Like that is cool to me. But yeah, I I don't know. I, I played it for like a week or two and I was just over it. But all these spin-offs have always seemed intriguing to me. Even the herbs because it had gameplay goals. Like I don't know, were you did you ever play were you big on the Sims? I tried it once in college. And you had kind of the same vibe I did. Sounds and like all the, yeah, I'm done experimenting with the Sims. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like it 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 feels like if they just tweak it just a bit, it could do really well. I mean, I, I, I see why people I see why people can get really into mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But I mean it just wasn't for me. That's the reason. Right. All yeah, it was. same, same. Yeah, it's nothing against the game, but I feel like it's like if I'm going to be investing this much time in something, I might as well do it in Smash Brothers Melee at the time, or Animal Crossing Bra was shortly thereafter. Um, I when did I get into Crossing? Yeah, when did you get into Animal Crossing? When, I was when, there when, day I, date when it launched on GameCube. I was um, one of the early adopters. Kind of the same thing then. It was like I thought, and it just looked really boring. Oh, you were very misinformed at the time. No, I wasn't. It, it didn't get good until Wild World. Whoa, hold on. The GameCube one was great. Wild World had the advantage that because it was portable. You could play it anywhere and really like take advantage of the um exactly yes it, but the gamecube one gameplay wise is not that much different it's just it's just on a at home yeah but no i i remember i mean I, I got it when circuit city was getting was going out of business because uh, it, it oh, you wait a while so it was like two or three bucks and then i got it and fell in love with it and then i tried it on city folk and i'm like nope it's on a console it's just not working yeah yeah but see if you didn't have the handheld experience if you started on console i agree city folk was the one i played the least but if you start on console I mean, the, then, the it would have, then it would have been the same thing when new leaf came around because i played that one for a while too yeah yeah that's what i'm saying it's like new leaf and wild world were two i played a lot but like yeah, the GameCube original was pretty great because it was so different at the time. And I, I just remember, like, I saw something about it in Nintendo Power, I want to say, and I was like, yeah, this this seems kind of crazy and weird. I'm going to get it. And then I got it. And day one, like, I was, like, the only person that pre-ordered it. At, games, at, uh, at that time, it was a software at Sarah. In fact, I was buddies with the people that worked at software at Sarah. I was, like, this little kid that's like, oh, I like Nintendo. So they actually, like, would give me promotional displays and stuff. Wow. So I had, like, I'd be like, hey, can I have that? display and they'd be like sure and they give me like a cardboard cut so i have in my house like a it's a four-sided animal crossing three-story house oh i do know made of cardboard and it's all four seasons and you hang it from the ceiling and it rotates between four seasons and they're like sure you can have it no one knows what this game is like we don't care we're gonna take down the promotional thing but no i was there day one i didn't even need those weird real world spoof commercials to convince me by the game do you remember those yeah yeah like i didn't even need that i I just yeah, those are actually really well done. But I didn't even need that. I was already on board. Like, I, I'm proud of being an early adopter of Animal Crossing. 
I don't know why. I'm like a, I'm like a weird hipster about a band, except it's Animal Crossing. It's weird. But anyway, yeah. So that's why I'm pretty confident we're going to see in 2019. A lot of ports from a lot of people, basically. Uh, and more third parties in general. But an area that like used to be pretty obvious suddenly doesn't feel like it this year, which is weird. And that's Nintendo's approach to the casual market. Like in the past, every year, it's been very abundantly clear. Either they're all in on casual or they're all out. But with Switch, they're kind of... I don't even know how to describe it. Like meandering around, just kind of like wandering, lost. Like you know that GIF of John Travolta where he doesn't know where he is. I oh, feel like yeah. that's them with the casual scene. It's really bizarre. Like Labo was the big play in 2018, obviously, right? And the hype was there when it was first announced in the you know the first variety kit that sold really well. And then Time actually just recently named it one of the top 50 inventions of tw- or innovations, excuse me, of 2018. And Nintendo's now featuring that all over Labo's marketing. And they really seem primed for this thing to be a huge success. You know, Mario Kart 8 Still? had support. No, at the time. Like, if oh. you look back to 2018, they really seemed like they were primed for it to be big. Like, what I started to say is Mario Kart 8. Remember, it gained Toy-Con support. And it's like, oh, wow. And there are always hints of other games will get Toy-Con support. Except then it just kind of tapered off. Yeah. Like, Nintendo kept saying sales will be the slow burn and that the holidays will be good. But the problem is everyone seemed to be selling Labo at a discount this holiday. I mean, get a free kit with your Switch at Target or, like, buy two kits for 100 bucks at Best Buy, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I kept seeing these deals. And for a company who rarely discounts their products, especially in a period they believe sales will be strong in, kind of weird to see them do this. Like, something's up. I do kind of wish um, they kept going more with the with the kits at a faster rate. Right. Like, that would have helped. I mean, I don't know. I was, Actually, I, no, that wouldn't have helped because well, they can't sell them at the slow rate. <laughs> uh, I, I was kind of waiting for the bird one. They still haven't even told us like what it does. What's wrong? With Random you? question: Why is Smash playing in the background? I mean, it's it's thematically on point. I think we could keep going, but well, we're we're turning up this new thing where it's kind of like ambient background noise. Except and, it's like and, literally just running with no one playing it. I'm very confused. I know Elvis was here playing it. Oh no! But that's like it's soothing background music. Oh, okay. Well, everyone enjoy the, the sweet melodious sounds of smashing. For bonus, well, that sounds wrong. For, for bonus Smash points, Bros. see if you can guess what character they're in the background. I don't even know how audible it is, but it might not be audible at all. I just noticed when I was talking, I'm like, huh, I hear Smash Bros. Anyway, but yeah. But anyway, need, yeah, what, they, were, what were you saying? They need to get on that bird contraption. I agree. I think. I think there's still. I don't think they're gonna fully give up. I think there's still a uh, 2019 kit coming down the pipe, but like. Labo feels like more of a flash in the pan than they originally were probably thinking it would be, which is a bummer because that was very clearly their strategy. Well, I mean, at the time, uh, actually, I take that back. I was going to say say? like, well, they did make it clear was aimed at a specific audience, but I also forget that that audience is supposed to be more than enough to make up for. Yeah, I mean, sales. Yeah, exactly. And I know for me personally, like, I was very happy with the variety kit. I thought did some really cool stuff with you know minor setbacks. And what's funny is then like. The thing I thought they needed to improve on was the software, the actual games. And the vehicle kit came out, and it fixed all that. And I'm like, oh, here's an actual included game that feels like a game. But I just didn't want to fold more cardboard, I guess. Like, I, it just, it, it, I feel like it was more of a novelty than Nintendo anticipated people thinking it was. You know what I mean? So, so I don't want to judge too soon here. Nintendo's financials, they come out end of the month. We're, of course, going to talk about them. At that point, we're going to get hard numbers, or at least a vague summary of the performance. So that will give us a sense of how Labo's really doing. But as of right now, if you ask me in April of last year, will Labo be big in 2019? Will that be their casual push? I would have been like, oh, yeah, totally. But now at the start of 2019, I don't I don't think we're going to see much of Labo at all. Maybe a new kit, but it's going to be pretty quiet. 
which makes it hard to say what is Nintendo doing beyond traditional games. That's kind of my whole point, because if Labo's not there, what are they doing, if anything? And right now, they only have this weird, slow, like, dabbling in genres that they used to completely own in the Wii days. And that's what's weird to me. It's like last summer, you know, they put out Go Vacation, and that was them basically being like, hey, remember how we used to do all these fun minigame compilations? Um, Here's Bandai Namco's elaborate knockoff of one of those, but we're going to go ahead and publish it. And it's like, all right, that's fine. And it's apparently a pretty decent game, but it's just like, what? And then this weekend, like literally two days ago, they did the exact same thing with the fitness game genre by releasing Fitness Boxing, which is by Imagineer, not them. And unlike Go Vacation, this is an all-new game to Nintendo and Imagineer's credit. And it sort of does what Wii Fit did and sort of didn't. Like, basically, you hold one Joy-Con in each hand, and you're punching the air Whoa. to match the rhythm of in-game music. You hold your woe for the real moment here. All the in-game music is instrumental takes of popular songs like Call Me Maybe. You whoa. don't even get lyrics. None and there's 20 of them. That only is, 20. That, that is woe. But, yeah, and there's even, ready for another world, there's even multiplayer. So you can, I, I don't know what to call it, beatbox? Be, no, beatboxing something else. But you can beatbox with your friends. So you can do, like, two they, sets of cardio. It? No, that's what I'm calling it. But but the thing that, to me, is so, like, why, why is Nintendo doing this is it's all wrapped up. I in, wish that was, like, a, it had, like, a music level where you have to, like, you know, punch to the beat of the song. And then they call do. that and they call that beatboxing? No, they do. That's the whole game. You punch to the rhythm. Oh, so it is. It's a rhythm so, game. So it's literally. It's a cardio-heavy rhythm game. Then why didn't you just call it, like, some sort of, like, beatboxing? Cause you're literally because they're the trying beat. to angle it like we fit, which is what's so bizarre to me. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. Like, literally, the entire presentation is wrapped in, like, a we fit rapper like the ui is similar the woman on the box is like the sister we fit trainer like she also is doesn't have a face and is silhouetted in pure white and has like only colored hair and a clothing but even like in the game the font they use for all the menus is the we fit menu font it's so like obviously supposed to be channeling we fit but then well, it's nintendo sure ain't so but then it's not but that's the thing it's not really nintendo they like just grabbed someone else's game and published it it's so weird like the only difference i saw is in-game trainers look like actual humans and you can dress them in gear you unlock so there's a little gamification going on but like i mean it sounds like honestly it could be and good does for, it use me it does not oh. but because it's just you and your trainer and their whole pitch is like oh you can do your cardio anywhere with the switch put it in your hotel put it in the, <laughs> do it on the plane whatever but like it sounds good for what it is honestly and Nintendo was pretty savvy to release it literally days after the new year. But I just, like, I don't see this thing lying the charts on fire. It's probably going to be like Go Vacation and just do fine. It's just weird that, like, Nintendo's essentially publishing other people's elaborate riffs on their own past successes. Uh, and I, I don't know. Like, addition to some serious form of flattery. I guess, and Nintendo seems to be rewarding it. But like in the Wii, in the Wii days, Nintendo was like so very, very clearly gung ho for this stuff, you know. Like, and in the Wii U days, they were so very, very clearly trying to merge that audience with the core gamers on a single platform. And then in the early Switch days, they were so very, very clearly steering away from all of this. And now it's like I don't know what they're doing. What is this? I, like the only thing I could think of is that they don't really care about the casual scene and are, this is just kind of like market research for the future like maybe in two years we'll make we fit again or call it switch fit but in the meantime <laughs> here's fitness boxing or beatboxing or whatever you want to call it and like i, I don't know like someone actually made a point that's kind of interesting over on reset era um i think the guy's name was like i have it somewhere here his that's, name was that's Sengit, a new neogaf just yes a new neogaf with is that. that the one with the little triceratops and their logo no 
Huh. No. What am I thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking of. No, NeoGAF had the little ball that looks like a Pokeball, but it's uh, orange and black. And then their, then their admin got in some uh, interesting sexual assault trouble. And then everyone exited that site and went to Reset Era, which has a little like because purple that, logo. That place already existed? No, it was built by the like refugees of NeoGAF, if you will. But now it's bigger than NeoGAF. And it's where all the like insiders went and stuff. It's a fun forum to read. But anyway, there's a user on there. I think his name's uh, I had it written down. Where is it? Sengazan. And he pointed out something kind of interesting about Switch's year three lineup, which is what will be after March, and the 3DSs. And that's that they're kind of the same in their year three. They both have a size growing Mario. Back then it was New Super Mario Bros. 2. Now it's U Deluxe. They both have a Fire Emblem. Back then it was Awakening. Now it's Three Houses. They both have an Animal Crossing. They both have a Luigi's Mansion. They both have a new core Pokemon RPG. Gen 8 for us now, X and Y then. And what's noble here, besides this parallelism, is that the third year of 3DS, which he's comparing it to, is the year Nintendo doubled down on traditional gaming for 3DS and kind of like cast aside stuff like Nintendogs and Cats and cast aside Brain Age Concentration Training. They were like, (laughs) no... This is it. This is how we make the 3DS succeed. Because up to that point, 3DS was kind of floundering. Remember, it was like doing really bad. The price was too high. People weren't buying it. Good times. Yeah, fun fun times. We got like 30 Game Boy games out of it. So, But no, it was like not a great time for 3DS. And then it really started taking off when they started putting out all these games, all these core games, like traditional games. And they did the 3DS XL. And it's like a whole like revamp. And obviously, the Switch doesn't need a revamp. It's selling great. Although, supposedly, second half of this year, we're getting something. So, keep an eye out for that, Wall Street Journal. But, uh, yeah, but my point is, like, if they're mirroring the traditional game playbook from the 3DS's, like, successful, first successful year, that kind of points to maybe the casual sphere just isn't one that's being cared about this year. Maybe Nintendo just really isn't going to do anything. They're just going to do one more Labo kit, ride it out. They're going to have their weird little, like, offspring of their games by other publishers, and that'll be it. Which is which is weird because like Nintendo never has been like what a- Nintendo's never been the embodiment of the shruggy emoji about casual before. They've either been super in or super out, so it's kind of weird that we're in this limbo state. So we'll see. But fitness boxing, I kind of want to try the demo. It actually looks kind of fun as a rhythm game, and it's healthy. Well, there's a demo. So there is not? a demo. You get three days of cardio to do. So why for not? anyone that missed it, I literally just did a little punching motion, and he gave me a funny look. But yes, yeah, so that that's that's maybe what's going on. Or actually, new theory forgot about this there's a new theory i have Uh-oh. a new theory it's Whoa. not that they don't care oh boy it's that they're too busy it's that they're too busy making walking apparatuses weird walking apparatuses did you see this patent um did we already talk about a new resolutions we're about to right after this but did you see the oh so you have not yet okay no all right we'll get to whatever you're gonna say in a That's sec. Why. let me just really quick sneak this in because all right let me tell you about it then so there's a recent patent and it's one of the oddest things that I think has come out of Nintendo in a while. Um, it's a pair of legs. It's a pair of legs that can carry things. Like, it's like a wheelchair or like a cart, but instead of a wheel, it is legs. And the whole thing doesn't require any battery or electricity. It's self-perpetuating when you push it from behind. It's literally just walking legs with a platform. And what's perhaps stranger about it is that it's not even an original Nintendo idea. What they basically did is that, like, the original patent that dates back to 2011 is by researchers at a Japanese technology institute I think it was uh, Nagoya and what Nintendo did was essentially co-sign that patent from 2011 back in May of 2017 and they co-signed it by adding an improvement of cogs and cranks that helped you better control the legs and only now has the patent been made public in the last like week and a half or so 
And the whole thing is like kind of conceptually cool because it's basically like you could take a cart or chair and you can do it across all sorts of different terrains. Like what, what a wheelchair can't go on, this can because it has legs. Nice. So it doesn't <laughs> – <laughs> but like it doesn't need a flat surface. Like conceptually it's really cool. It doesn't need a flat surface. It can basically climb things. But I have no idea why Nintendo is patenting this. Like it's too complex for a Labo toy con. No one's going to build legs out of cardboard. I'm sorry. Maybe it's the sequel to Arms we've been waiting for. I don't know, but I I think it could be like a toy of some sort I, I, or like I, I so thought they were gonna have a character at some point, like one of the DLC ones, yeah. be a character that walks on his hands and like, fights with, with his legs. So his legs are springy ones. So I mean, he's still fighting with arms. Like it still it doesn't change that mechanic. Yeah, but you know, just like design wise, he looks kind of weird walking around. He's basically handstanding all the time. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I'd be fine with that. And maybe this will be a life-size toy of him you can play as, except he's actually walking on. I guess he'd so be. A, I would imagine he'd be a heavy of some kind, just because kicks are stronger than punches. I mean, right. So they're also mother-approved, kid-tested, mother-approved kicks. Cereal. Oh yeah. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> wow, this is going off the rails and fast. But no, what I was gonna say is like I don't know what this is for. Like. Leg man aside, leg arm man aside, like <laughs> a person, <laughs> just a person, yeah, an upside down person aside. Like, what is the point of this? Like, Nintendo also patented not just this design, but they have one with an upper torso attached, and they have one with four legs. So, one for one minute, I'm like, maybe they're building like a real life guardian from Breath of the Wild, and this is the first draft. Like, I don't know, but I, the only thing I can think of that makes any remotely real sense is that maybe this has something to do with the theme park. Like, maybe it's a way for guests who need walkers to still explore the verticality of the park. Because, like, you remember from the mock-ups, like, there's a lot of, like, layers to it. It's like a giant wedding cake almost. Like, there's so many different heights and layers. So maybe this is for that. That But if if that's the case, why would Universal not patent this? Because Universal the one building the park. Nintendo's just consulting. So, I don't know. Whatever it is, when you see Nintendo release self-perpetuating legs in the future and tie them into arms to legs or leg man, a.k.a. human... Just remember, it all started here with this weird patent. So, like, in five years, when Nintendo's hot new innovation, when the Switch 2 is just some legs you push, you heard it here first, and on the internet at the same time, in 2019. So, legs aside, um, that, I guess, is kind of, like, the macro-level look of what we think could happen in 2019. Like, we had your game predictions, we had my more, like, business-side predictions, I guess you could say. But any good new year also includes personal resolutions. So since you wanted to go first and you already are starting to talk about yours, we're, we, we're talking about gaming resolutions specifically. What is your 2019 gaming resolution and why? So, I don't know. Mine's just kind of weird because it's not so much a let's play more games kind of deal. It's kind of like a improving a quality of life. It's like a quality well, of life. That's what resolution's all about is improving a quality of life. I guess so, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. So basically, um, over the past few years, I've been... Like, I've just been getting tired of, like, rumors, speculating. Like, just, like, seeing, like, all these things, like, pop up. And especially just um, seeing game announcements super early. Yeah, we have a podcast. Yeah, we do talk about these things. But, like, just being exposed to it almost, like, 24-7. Because, yeah. I mean, when you follow as many, like, Twitter channels and, like, other ve- avenues as we do, like, you see the same news posted multiple times. And, I don't know. I just wanted to just kind of... Step kind of, back. Yeah, just take a, a step back to, like, simpler times, and so far it's been working. What I basically did is I unfollowed anything gaming-related and unsubscribed from any... Wait, did you unfollow at Random Nintendo, your source for all the latest episodes of Random Nintendo That podcast? was the first one. Was I it got... really? How could you? 
Um, actually, I don't remember if I subscribed. Well, we don't ever tweet news, so you're welcome to refollow us. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got way too yeah. real for a second. Yeah, and also, and also, like unsubscribe from any like YouTube channel that just cover like just gaming news in general. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one was probably just Go Nintendo, just to get out of the way. Well, and, well yeah, that's the thing because with Go Nintendo, they're still on top of it. Yeah, because right? they're like, like the if, you, if like, you don't. You want literally to know just, things. Don't go to go. If you want to know anything, Go Nintendo's I mean, got it. So if you yeah, want to do the opposite, you, yeah, don't. you could literally just unsubscribe from just Go Nintendo. See, I actually don't follow but, them on Twitter. I only check their site. Yeah, I see. I, I don't go to their site that often unless I see something interesting on their Twitter feed. Mm, I'm the other way. I look but, at their Twitter. But basically, yeah, and also that way, you know, news is a little fresher. I, if I hear about something, and lately it has been the case, like I did not know about legs, legs. The, the walking legs. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought you were talking about my character. Oh, uh, well, you didn't know about him either. It's not like you made him up on the fly. I didn't know about these, like, like smash rumors. Like, everything has been very, mm. like, word of mouth lately. Right. We'll get to the and, smash And it does get to the point where it's like, like okay, cool. Like, if I want to know about it, like, I'll tell them to tell me. Otherwise, it's like, cool, whatever. Yeah. And same thing with, like, Nintendo Directs. Like, I'm going to... My resolution is just to... Just keep my ear as far away from the ground as possible until like a couple of days before the podcast, just so I could be informed and just have still have my fresh takes on them, just so they're not like bubbling for two weeks and then forget about that it even that happened. That is the funny thing about how we do our podcast in the directs is that there are gaps. Like sometimes it's like the same weekend and it's like, oh, awesome, this is gonna be super hot takes, and other times it's like these are barely lukewarm takes. It's been like twelve days. <laughs> yeah, it's already like yeah. room temperature. It's already yeah, going it's cold. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's it just it's it just the nature of what we yeah. tackled, right? But yeah, besides that, I mean, uh, the only things I didn't subscribe from were anything Smash Bros. related because so, you're actively playing it. Yeah. it's not news; it's what's yeah, exactly happening. like. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. When I got the tweet about like, oh, this new like, um, Snake has a a kill confirm from 160 with an up tilt after a down grab, so you know, stuff like that. But, just casually throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah. Now I get what you mean. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting that's, that's one. That's, much, that's, that's, that's like my a, gaming resolution. It's kind of a. You're basically going back to the pure form, just playing games for the games. As close as I can yeah. in this day and age of the internet. I mean, more so than that, I'm just trying to get more. I'm the same amount to the, the same level that I paid attention to the gaming industry. I want to do for the animation industry, mm. if not more. So, by getting rid of one, I'm kind of substituting the other. So. Yeah, that makes sense, and that's more where your future is going in terms of your career. Yeah. So I get that. Mine's gonna seem silly by comparison. <laughs> Mine's um, brace yourselves, folks. I'm going to beat a game this year. Whoa, that's all I've got. That that's it. Like it's it's this. <laughs> yeah, we got Ellis in the background. Wait, are we now. are we talking like a ten hour game? A twenty hour game? I don't know. I'm just promising a game will be beaten by the end of the year. That's mm-hmm. my resolution. Well, we'll, and, we'll check it on you in June. Like it's this running. I mean, for those who don't listen regularly, it is this running thing that I never beat my games. And you know what made me realize I need to change that besides your constant ribbing and Elvis's constant ribbing is our contest about it. Like, you sprung that on me. For those who missed it last episode, Angel surprised me by announcing a contest with a prompt of basically telling people which game they've jasoned. Meaning, which game, or games plural, did they not finish and why? Yeah, which one did they start and just abruptly right. stop? And, we, at the and time, most of the time, it's games that you really liked and i mean it's like like, i don't really know why i stopped i just yeah got got busy and just never got back to it and and one and the deal was one person who leaves a comment would walk with a 20 dollar eShop gift card so first off thanks for to those of you who entered um but also i kind of hate all of you 
because you indirectly expose the reality that I have zero real excuses for beating for not beating. Yeah, a lot game. of you had legit reasons. Yeah, because like so, everyone who entered did have actual reasons. Like you're saying, yeah, they were totally legit. Like we had multiple people who simply couldn't get past a final boss or later level. There's a DBZ squirrel. He was on <laughs> final boss of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance and just could not beat it. He said at the time he didn't understand the slash mechanic because he was young. But he so, somehow made it all the way over there. Yeah, but he made it that far. So good for The you, core man. mechanic of the game. So, yeah, but... But still, though, that's cool. Yeah, so so that's why he didn't. Then we have GBA Color, who got lost in A Link to the Past Dark World and then just, like, never went back. Um, <laughs> that we, happened to me too once, but I did go back eventually. I never got to... No, I did get to Dark World. I take that back. I was about to say I never even got that far. Dude, the Dark World is, like, a horrible maze. It's like... It is. I mean, I, I, I understand where GBA is coming from. No, yeah, I'm not I'm thinking yeah. disagreement. I'm just like... Yeah, yeah, I'm sympathizing. And then we also have, like, Mel, who never beat Beautiful Joe and now just wants to. And then we have John HQ with Majora's Mask, who played it with a friend, and the two of them couldn't do it. And they're like, well, then just never went back. So that's one bucket. You're like, they just couldn't beat it, right? Then you've got the folks who simply didn't have the time to dedicate to it. Like, there's Robert, that's TH, who had such a big backlog that he's behind on older games. Like, he was saying he's he needs to start Zombie U and Etrian Odyssey and Metroid Fusion because he only just now beat even older ones. Like he was saying, he beat Final Fantasy V and VI this year, this past year. I'm like, how? Wow, you're that's a big backlog if you're like four generations behind. <laughs> so like, the, you know, he had that excuse. And then there was George who didn't, um, he couldn't, he just didn't have the time to explore Breath of the Wild's like huge high rule, so he just didn't. And then we have Beagle who this this one I think most people can relate See, that's to. That's kind of what. Why I, I like my mentality with Breath, yeah. my approach with Breath of the Wild. Like I knew, like exploring everything would take forever, but I yeah. knew I wanted to beat it, so I literally just you saw a sped run it. Speed yeah, run. So, so I just took the straightest ran. line possible. Speed ran. Like right out of the plateau, I went straight for Ganon. Couldn't beat it, so I did one temple, mm-hmm. and then I went back to Ganon, and then I beat it. There's your strategy, George. And then <laughs> and then I went back and started exploring everything I could, and I'm still doing that because that game is so big. Right. And uh, who knows if I'll ever finish it? Right, right. But properly, but I did make the credits roll, and that's that's what counts as being it, right? Yeah. And then and then we had this is the one I'm saying that most people could probably relate to. We had Beagle who told us that he bought Kingdom Hearts Recoded, he was all set to play it, and then Smash for 3ds came out. So he's like, well, let's back burner Kingdom Hearts. I'm gonna play Smash. And then when he was done with Smash, and he's ready to start Kingdom Hearts. Pokemon Alpha Sapphire released, and he's like, well, let's backfire King or back burner kingdom hearts again and play alpha sapphire and then he just never and you know it's just perpetually just continued. literally the reason why i had to put everything aside and just beat god of war before smash ultimate came out because you knew yeah you were able to plan you learned preemptively from beagle's mistake that he only told you after you already did the <laughs> thing <laughs> but yeah and then we got this third bucket of people that content and these are games that they just couldn't get into which is a thing that's totally legit like so we have a regular person named kurt kurt bop he gave two examples of recent occurrences on switch where he was gung-ho about game he liked it conceptually and then just it did not click with him one was ukulele which he found to be kind of boring after a couple hours and like honestly he's not wrong i mean ukulele has kind of this weird emptiness to it like i never even got far enough in it to feel like i was at a point where i was comfortable giving impressions on the show because i was just like oh this is like i'm like oh my god it's like banter and the more i'm playing i'm like really there's nothing there it's just kind of voids but anyway that was one game and then the other one he said was Hollow Knight which is very well received by a lot of people but even though he likes Metroidvanias it just didn't really click with him is what I was saying so here's the thing about all these examples I just gave which by the way again thanks to all you who entered Mm -hmm. all of these are legitimately better excuses than anything I will ever or can ever come up with I never got particularly stuck in any games when I stopped I rarely 
like even beat my short game so it's not a time issue let alone the long ones i often stop before the backlog issue even becomes an issue and it's not even like the games are bad or not clicking with me i still haven't beaten mario odyssey which is one of my all-time favorite games it's up there it's like my favorite switch game for sure and maybe smash is coming close to it but like there's like all the reasons that i just went through with these people none of these apply to me so this year that's changing this year i'll be i'll beat a game maybe multiple i don't know what game we'll see we don't even know what's necessarily coming out this year in full but it's gonna happen it could be an older game could be a newer game i, I don't know i'm just promising and you can do check-ins every so often on the show but i'm just promising there will be even thought, at like, least a game beaten i even thought like hey jason likes tv shows he should play the telltale games and he got the batman one and i taught and i and then, loved it and, and i talked after, about it on the show after months and months of not playing it he finally played it yes and he's like oh look like this is this kind of gameplay is perfect. It's like I'm watching a show and I'm interacting once in a while. It's like Bandersnatch, even though that wasn't a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I do love Bandersnatch too. That was a really cool experience on Netflix, and like that is Telltale, and then, but real. And actors. then I'm like, cool. So how's it going? Like, well, the thing is, Jason got a new game, which means that he had to take out the cartridge, which means that it's not going back. But in. see, not even that because it can go back in. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't buy the backlog thing. Like, because people are like conscious of, oh, this game's preventing me from playing another game. I'm never conscious of that. Yeah, it's just but, like out of sight, out of mind, which is worse. Yeah, exactly. And the problem with Batman is I love. I thought it was really cool. I remember raving about it on the podcast. I mean, you told me you were enjoying Doom, but as soon as that left your I, cartridge so, slot. I think you still have my copy of Doom. No, you get no, it. No, I give it back a long yeah, time ago. But, yeah, so I don't know what That's it why is. you need to get them downloaded so that they're all on your console at I, once. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'm going to be a game this year. That's my plan. And while we're on the topic of the contest, we should probably announce our winner. We still have more show, but we'll just announce it now because we're here. So one of these guys and gals who didn't beat their games we're about to give a 20 dollar gift card to further deepen their backlog and make it harder to keep beating their games so let's pick our winner shall we um we are just gonna pull a name out of a hat there we already randomized it i don't know why i'm acting like we're picking it in real time we already picked it um the winner is gba color so keep an eye out on your email or an eye on your email gba um we will be sending you a 20 dollar gift card and you can use that to maybe, if you haven't checked out A Link Between Worlds, has a slightly easier Dark World. I was able to be A Link Between Worlds. So if I can beat it, I think you can beat it. But yeah, whatever you want to buy with it, 20 bucks is yours. So thanks again to everyone who entered. Now onward and upward to the rest of the show. Um, there was something you mentioned when you were talking about your resolution that I feel like we got to address in some capacity. And that is the Smash Bros. leak. So... We knew Piranha Plant was coming. We knew Joker from Persona was coming. But because the internet sucks and ruins everything, we now may also know the other four DLC characters that are going to be out over the next 13 so, so months. So why do you got a data mine? Yeah, it's due to a mix of data mining and insider information and this insider correctly predicted other aspects like the announcement of Persona 5R a couple weeks before it was actually revealed. So there's probably some truth to this. But here's the thing, to your point. And to your resolution, we're not going to reveal the fighters here. If you want to see the list, and assuming it is correct, there's a link in the blog post on this episode over at the blog, roundtown.com, to do so. But frankly, it just it just seems lame to spoil this. Like, it's kind of a bigger beef I, I think you definitely have with the internet, and I'm starting to feel too. And that's this idea that nothing can be a surprise anymore. Like, Nintendo is planning to trot out this DLC over the next 13 months. That's over a year of this. And they're going to reveal, have reveals scattered throughout the year. You know, they're going to do one probably in a direct, do one at E3, etc., etc. And remember how excited everyone was about Joker when he was revealed and how people lost their minds or the collective internet's reaction to Piranha Plant where that came out of nowhere. 
that's gone. If this is true, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's done. The hype won't be there. And besides just hearing Nintendo's hype on a marketing level, it just makes it less fun when they reveal these. It's just like, oh, there's the thing I knew about. Okay. When's it out? Oh, it's out now? Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it, there's this communal level of excitement about gaming that will just now be missing for the Smash community for the next 13 months because the surprises aren't surprising anymore because it's known. Like, sure, you can avoid the leaks like you would movie spoilers or you can disconnect from the web like you're doing, but I feel like this is, like, it feels like a symptom of a bigger shift in gaming culture that I kind of don't like. It's just this idea that nothing can be a secret. Nothing can be revealed. It all has to be leaked. Like, you've got folks data mining every Switch game to tell you each new Splatoon weapon before it's out. You've got YouTube videos exposing every little tucked away secret and hidden Easter egg in a game. And, like, don't get me wrong. We're guilty of reporting some of the data mines here on the show in the past. And I do watch and sometimes share on my, like, Twitter the very videos I'm complaining about. Like, Game Explains team does some incredible stuff and finds really crazy things. But I just... I don't know. Like, I just kind of miss the days of, like, playground rumors about games. About when we were kids and it's just, like, you learn it from a friend or word of mouth, like you were saying. And what really reminded me of this feeling of, like, surprise was there's this tweet from Supper Mar- Mario Bros. That's the Twitter account I mentioned on the show in the, in the past. They post these obscure Mario trivia and tidbit things. And they did one about Yoshi's story. And they pointed out that if you find the coins that are hidden in each level that form a letter... Like they they are like laid out in the shape of a letter. All those letters across the twenty four levels of Yoshi's story spell out you are Yoshi's great partner. Which is obviously just an Easter egg. And it's a very small thing. But what's crazy is most people had no idea about this for twenty years. And I just love that games as a you know, there's this game I loved as a kid. I beat it dozens of times and I never knew. And I just love that now it's only now being discovered. And I realized kind of when seeing that tweet and seeing stuff like the smash roster leak and then you tell me your resolution before we even recorded that there's basically no chance of something like that going undiscovered for so many years in the current era era like you have to actively disengage from the gaming community in order to have that sort of magic of discovering something through word of mouth from friends at school or like even the magic like even the magic of there being crazy rumors about things in a game that weren't actually in the game. Like, that's gone too, because now it can be proven or disproven in, like, a minute flat just by searching YouTube. Like, you don't have kids today sharing crazy wives' tales of a secret emote in Fortnite that you can unlock, because you can just hop on your smartphone and prove or disprove its existence on the spot. Like, it's this whole, like, weird, like, underside of gaming that's gone. Like, I I mean, the the... The best example I can think of is remember the whole like missing no thing with Pokemon Ram Blue or like how to catch Mew. Oh, yeah. Like anyone that grew up with Pokemon in the 90s, like that's a classic part of that experience is having, you know, the stories of how do you get missing no. There are always like two or three different ways to trigger that glitch or like find Mew depending on, you know, which friend you talk to, you hear a different story of no, how I you found it. I heard about the whole pushing the truck one, but that right. was the one that wasn't true. Yeah. And, and, you know, even when it was pushing the truck, it's like, oh, do you push it because Mew's under the truck? Oh, no, no, no. There's Team Rocket base under a truck you can go into. And that, obviously that wasn't true either. It turns out with Mew, what it was, was um, it was it's a glitch that's now known as Trainer Fly by Speedrunners. I looked into this. And it basically is, if you do a certain series of events in a certain sequence, it will just trigger this, basically if you speedrun. So people who were trying to truck thing, well, one, were wrong, but if it ever did happen, is due to other things that just simultaneously were happening as they tried to get to the truck. Yeah, I remember the easiest one was the, the Nugget Bridge 
way to unlock Mew. It's like you have to like fight a specific number of trainers in a specific order. Right. Talk to a certain person, and then right when you get challenged by someone else, you have to like press the start button, and suddenly your start button is disabled. And yeah, then, it's just like then you take like ten steps, and boom, there's Mew. And how worked. about missing nowhere? It was like there's an item duplication trick yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah, but yeah. also he was catchable if you talk to one old man, then fly to Cinnabar Island. Yeah, but also if you idea. do this, but also if you do that, like. You know where, and different people would be like, "Do you fly different places?" Or like, "What happens when you encounter him? Does anyone you know have him? Can we see what happens in a battle?" Like, it was really like, "Yeah, what happens when you capture it, and then it messes up your Hall of Fame?" And yeah, and then your game's ruined. But that was part of the experience. Like, all these questions were part of this word of mouth like scavenger hunt that data mining and YouTube would now solve in a few seconds fly and just kind of like ruin. Like, it was fun to go on that scavenger hunt. It was fun to report back to friends, and that to me is what made this whole yeah. like old gaming gossip world kind of. It's sad that it's And gone. even though it ended up being fake, it was kind of fun to imagine, like, oh, I guess Sonic is in Melee if somehow. If, like, you beat Cruel Smash, yeah. like, 20 people. Like, there was, like, an image. Back Courtesy when, of EGM, I yeah, remember that. But back when, like, you know, Photoshop wasn't, like, the most commonplace thing where anyone could just be like, oh, that's Photoshop. Yeah. Like, people would be like, oh, look, there's proof of that. Yeah, and, what, and, and that's the other half of it is, like, you never really knew what was real or not. You had to kind of go explore the game world to figure it out for yourself. And it it made you play games differently than you would otherwise. Like like the Yoshi story thing. I was mentioning that before. Like, go back to that for a sec. There were two prominent rumors in my social circle about Yoshi's story. One is there's a black and white Yoshi to unlock, and one is there's a purple, purple Yoshi to unlock. Black and white were actually, like, real. Like, everyone that's played Yoshi knows that. And my first successful attempt at finding a secret in a game that a friend told me was black and white Yoshi, and at the time it blew my mind... Or black and white Yoshis, plural. And at the time it blew my mind, because not, not, not just because, like, I pulled it off, but also because it was actually true. Like, hey, a thing that my friend told me is really in the game. And then Purple Yoshi, that one supposedly required you to collect every single coin in the game. I never actually did that. I never expected to be able to find every coin. But it got me, it motivated me to, like, play it more and explore more and do more of, like, play it a different way because I was like, oh, maybe there are coins I could find. And that in and of itself made the rumor worthwhile even though it wasn't even real. Like, or, like, the Sonic one, like, EGM, GamePro, those guys cut their teeth on doing pranks like that because you couldn't really verify it for a while. It was just a fun thing that riled up the community, got people to try different things in the game, do different things. I'm sure some people were super pissed when they didn't get Sonic when they did what they were supposed to do, but like, would you have done that thing in Smash? And or, you know, if you didn't have Sonic at the end, would you have tried that whatever scenario? Yeah, especially like it, in the in the N64 days, like I remember going to GameFacts.com back yeah. when, like pretty much everything was unconfirmed unless you confirmed it yourself. Yeah. And they had, like, this long list of, like, codes, of cheat codes for Smash Brothers. And obviously only, like, one of them worked. But the other ones were, like, how to unlock Squirtle, how to unlock um, mm-hmm. James Bond, how to unlock... I remember the James Bond one, Like, yeah. like all these other characters. And, like, they all seemed, like, plausible because there, there was no way to really prove it otherwise. And that's what made it so fun. And it's kind of a bummer that, like, we know... And obviously you can't have DLC, like figure like th- what we're saying doesn't apply to the fact that we know the dlc for smash but applies to the bigger picture of like we know we know things we shouldn't we know things we can't wait for it to be like yeah, it's, it's told a, to us in one way or another from a friend or living whatever. in an age where someone i guess puts the game into a computer and just like looks at all the files and, bo- yeah. and goes like nope there's nothing in the file that says there is this thing here yeah it just, therefore it's, it doesn't exist like there's no point in even speculating about it it's just it's black and white. Yeah. And I mean, this did live on in tandem with early internet. Like, Sonic Adventure 2? 1? 2? Which one had the child guard? 2, right? Two. 
Like, there are rumors about stuff with that. I don't even remember what those were. I mean, neither too much. Like, it had something to do with... Um, it was, like, well, making Eggman playable, well, right? First, well, first in the beginning, like, just one of the big ones that there was even, like, a like a good child garden and a bad child garden. And, right. like, even though, like, there were images of the characters, like, the evil child and the good child in the front, like, most people hadn't really seen it. And then when you get it yourself, it's like, whoa, because, I mean... There was no game explain or anything to be no. like. Here's every single thing you can unlock. Cool. Yeah, and that's what. So was like cool. when you unlock it yourself, and then you see Eggman out of it, and Eggman out of his like robot, and then you get to run around with him, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's like a way to play with him outside of his robot. And then people are like, oh, you can, but you have to do this stuff, and then you couldn't. Yeah, and and that's like a good example of like, would you or have even? Do, yeah, would you have done anything in the Chow Garden, in like the evil oh, Chow yeah. Garden? Otherwise, maybe not. Like that got you playing. It, yeah, the same thing with like Mario sixty four. Like I remember the Luigi. Thing, like, yeah, there was a way to get Luigi, Luigi or in Sonic Adventure one. I remember there's like a like a sprite of Cream the Rabbit just like flying like up really high like in the background. Wait, Cream existed in two thousand or ninety nine? Sonic Adventure, yeah. Her first appearance was Sonic she... Advance three. Yeah, that came out after. But yeah, she was there in Sonic Adventure. What? See, see, this right here is what I miss. Really? Yeah, she because she, yeah, she appeared in Sonic Advance three, which was like two thousand four or five, and Adventure one was ninety nine. Oh, well, or maybe it was in the GameCube port, which was two thousand. Maybe maybe it was DX. So I mean, that's oh, the, it was that's DX. The, that's the version okay. I well, that's why. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, like she's like flying like up on top, and I remember hearing like, oh, like if you jump and hit her while she's flying, then you will unlock her. You know. How and, long did you try? Um, I tried it once, and then I'm like, oh, it's probably not true. But, <laughs> but see, you tried but it. But I tried once. it, yeah, because yeah, I was, like, curious. And, I mean, because there was the whole thing, like, oh, you could control Master Hand by doing it, like, oh, by, by, yeah. pun- by punching Mew. But eventually it did turn out you could control Master Hand, but it just required yeah. a more glitchy way that, you know, you have to, like, pick two characters at the same time, press But buttons. see, that's what was fun about those rumors is, like, they grew, they evolved. Like, the fact that we know of four different ways and to that potentially was, get Mew and that was, missing like, now. in recent years, like, within the last five years that people yeah. discovered you could play as Master Hand properly. Yeah, it's like the Yoshi. And that's a GameCube game. Yeah, it's like the well, Yoshi spelling the you know your Yoshi's great partner. Like it's a my or the coin spelling that. It's like oh, a very, yeah. like it takes time for some of these things. But that we don't ten twenty years from now we don't have that luxury because we know everything already because it's data mined to hell and back. Like it's it's dumb. Yeah, and then you have like I mean nothing against these channels obviously because no I, they, I love game explain but I mean like um channels like boundary or aspects break, like, like boundary break like I, I like their content when I used to watch it just because of the whole like I don't like to. Yeah. dive into that kind of stuff anymore yeah um but like they had a system where they would pull the camera literally wherever they wanted and yeah. they had a system so that they could get rid of any um i guess fictional clipping so you could see the entire world like at once and it was and it just kind of takes like the magic away from anything it's like oh you see those mountains over there nope they're just a picture oh, yeah you see that over there that, yeah and i that. mean it is cool from a technical standpoint to get the stuff and i remember game no, explain. i mentioned this last i mean episode, there's definitely but... like an audience for that obviously. oh yeah yeah and game explained last episode i was saying how they did this cool video showing like if you pause smash bros and look around there's always little things on the edges of the stage that really build out the world and it's like would i have thought of doing that otherwise probably not so it's cool to see that but it's kind of like it sort of you know stifles any potential weird stuff in the future that like when we had growing up so yeah i don't know it's a weird it's, I mean, it's, it's weird in a way i mean the game's been out for i guess still less than a month yeah it's been less than a month and it feels like everything that needs to be found as far as like just i guess yeah i guess anything that needs to be yeah, found even within the, the game. dlc that's the thing yeah and i mean yeah i don't know it's it's weird but you you know you did um you did mention or we both mentioned sonic this is kind of unrelated, but did you hear that? Um, or I guess you didn't because you don't track these things. So, the director of Sonic Adventure is interested in doing a remake of Sonic Adventure. 
hmm. which like an actual remake. He he did a quote where it's like it was our very first 3D game that we worked on. Um, looking at it now, I can see the rough edges it has, which really makes me want to remake it again. Just now, I just I, now I realized Big the Cat was a mistake. It took me twenty years to realize. No, but like it, yeah. I mean, would would you be down for that? Like it? I, I guess I would. I like. I I, I can't help but wonder, like, where, when he remakes, it, is he gonna stay true to it, or is he gonna try and like modernize it? And if he modernizes it, what does that mean? Boost <laughs> gameplay, possibly, because there yeah. was no boost gameplay. That's true. Like, I, I almost rather they like bring back other Sega franchises. Like, I would totally be down for, like, a Super Monkey Ball reboot. Like, that was a huge franchise for them for a while. Like, they could easily compile Monkey Ball 1 and 2 in a 2-pack on Switch, maybe up-res it, and just release it. Like, that franchise was... It just fell off a cliff, so we feel... It feels like this is a good time to bring it back, and it's portable for the first time, and yada yada. Or, like, Crazy Taxi. I always bring up I want Crazy Taxi on Switch. We know Switch's... Uh, Switch supports... Or not Switch, but... Let me, let me restart that sentence. That was very difficult for me. We know that the arcade game engine that Crazy Taxi runs on called Naomi is supported by Switch now. Or Switch, or now has Switch support. However you want to word that. So it's possible. It's like, I mean, Sonic Adventure would be fine, whatever, but I, I'd almost rather Sega do those two first. Personally. Or Skies of Arcadia. I mentioned that like an hour ago in the show. Yeah, Skies of Arcadia would be cool. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it's, uh, that was just a side because we mentioned Sonic. But, but really, we were talking about Smash Bros. here. And that's what led us down this very, very long rabbit hole. And I know both of us wanted to double back for, to that for a moment. Um, do you want to go first? Or yeah. should, okay, so what did you want to bring yeah, up with Smash? Yeah, yeah, first the, of all, well, actually, not to interrupt you, but I can't believe we're now for three straight episodes still giving impressions of Smash Bros. Like, it's this yeah, game's huge. Yeah, literally for a moment. The funny thing Mine is, will be longer than a moment. Yeah, I mean, this is... I guess it's not even so much a complaint about Smash Bros. specifically, but I guess for the Nintendo engineers... But, like, yeah, we got voice chat. It's pretty much about the voice chat functionality because it's so weird. Like, when you're in an arena, you get to talk to strangers. Like, if they didn't mute the voice chat, because you can do that. But if they didn't, you get to talk to the strangers, and that's all well and good for the most part. Like, it's on your phone. You should have, like, headphones with a mic or something like that. Yeah, if if you buy into the whole, like, split audio shenanigans then yeah it worked like it is well and good in that regard yeah so while you're waiting in the arena and i'm talking about the place where there's like a little boxing ring and there's a line waiting like you're talking to you're talking to the strangers whatever that's all good and then the match starts and then for whatever reason on your phone which you know it's like its own little device gets everyone gets kicked out of the room and then you hear like two really high-pitched sounds and then everyone slowly trickles back into the room so if you were mid-sentence, you're going to have to repeat what you just said and vice versa if someone else is talking. And then the match goes on. Everyone's like, okay, all right, did you catch what I said? All right, cool. All right, continue conversation, commenting on the match. The match ends. If someone was talking, as it transitioned back into the arena, they're going to get interrupted. You hear those high-pitched sounds, and then everyone's back into the chat. What? So, like, <laughs> what? So why, like... I don't know. I feel like Splatoon didn't have that issue because I remember playing Splatoon with my friends and oh, actually, I guess it did kick you out because like, you're in the lobby and then it kicks you out so that it could pair you with your team. That way, you're only talking but to see, your that teammates. That makes sense because yeah, it's switching you. Exactly. Like I didn't like that one. Didn't mind. Like it was more like, all right, cool. The match is about to start. All right. Anything else you want to say? Because I mean, you're no, they're collaborating. But this one doesn't make sense at all because everyone is still in the chat. It's not like it's separating out the people that are playing because even the people that are playing can still talk. 
and I thought the whole point of it being its own device was so that it could, you know, like work a little more independently. But I guess not. I guess it, 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 so. So let me just make sure I understand it. It's still connected to the game somehow, which is really stupid. Let me make sure I understand because I I have not played online voice chat Smash. Only online no voice chat. I want to hear people tell me I suck at the game. I know. But um, what? So when it's doing the loading between to and from matches, basically, is when it does that high yeah. pitch noise. Yep. Why is that so weird? Because yeah, if it's its own independent connection. On a separate app, I don't know why changing the lobby. Unless it's like has to resync who's in the lobby, but it knows because you were just in the lobby. It, yeah, that's weird. It's it's really weird. I so, mean, there's there's weird design decisions throughout this game. Let's be so honest. So to kind of supplement that, like some people like started like forming their own discords, and I mean, while that does limit, like obviously you're not gonna like every time you form a new lobby, you're not gonna tell everyone in the chat, "All right, come join my Discord. Yeah. Let me friend you all," and then we could finally have like a nice conversation. That doesn't get un- that it's uninterrupted, right? As but, it should be. But it does work if you have like a Discord with a bunch of people and they start their own arenas and you just join those arenas and then you could just have a nice streamless, mm-hmm. like seamless mm-hmm. conversation. But you know, like Nintendo was supposed to. I mean, we're paying for this now. It's and it somehow has less features was, than the free Wii version. Yeah, if it was free, then whatever. Like we'll put up with it. But like yeah. this is paid content now, and this is like. Literally the most basic of basic stuff. This is something I didn't even know you could mess up, and they somehow <laughs> messed it up. Because well, this is never. This is like, yeah, they literally created a problem. I've never had this issue on any game I've ever, ever played. played. Me like neither. even like back when we were in college before the Switch was a thing, when we I was using Steam to communicate with people, and we had like the push to talk stuff. And I mean, that's because the chat was its own, like literally its own thing. Like it didn't yeah. care what game you were in. It's like. The Switch suddenly cares, like, oh, you're playing Mario Kart? Okay, you can chat. Oh, you're playing, you want to play freaking um, Ultimate Chicken Horse multiplayer? Oh, you can't You can't talk with that but one. But here's what's weird about that is Skype, FaceTime, web, Discord, wherever you want, they're all using the exact same, like, connection. They all have the same concept. Like, it's all, I'm agreeing with you. It sounds like I'm not, yeah. but I am. Like, they're all voice over IP. All the Switch app is is voice over IP. So, yeah, why put the artificial limitations? Yeah, I I think they should. I don't know. I I mean, this I was starting to say a little bit ago. Like this, Smash Bros. and Nintendo have a lot of weird design decisions. I mean, remember like a week ago, Nintendo had to tweet a tutorial of how to find the tutorial in Smash Bros. Like they're not exactly the best at designing things sometimes. So like, it really does suck, and it's actually kind of ridiculous. But it also doesn't surprise me. I'm like, yep, that's Nintendo. Like, yeah, and I mean, and I'm pretty sure about this up, but it's like even. I mean, that's like part of just my biggest gripe. Yeah, which in the end didn't really have much to do with Smash Brothers, but Smash was kind of a tipping point for it, though. Yeah, like if um, I pretty I feel like I brought this up, but you know, like I feel like at this point they have to just let you taunt in matches. Like they just have... that actually bothers me more than I thought it would. Because... In the world of emotes. I mean, they... Smash had him before everyone else. In the world of emotes, where are the taunts? It, what are they yeah, worried it's like, about? It's like, it's like, why are they taking them out? Like, they are the ones that designed each of the taunts, so... Yeah, it's not like you can, like, flip someone off. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's not stopping people from, like, teabagging. It's not like, oh, it's detecting teabagging, so I'm going to, yeah. like, penalize the player. I mean, debatably, I would say that's worse. That, it is. At least... <laughs> it's at least, worse than Kirby waving hello. Yeah, at least taunting is, like, somewhat controlled. And yeah. what's worse... But the worst is that, like, yeah, you can't do it when you're playing in quick play. But when you're doing an arena, which is still against complete strangers, if you choose to join a stranger's lobby, you can taunt in those. 
So it's like, which is it? Like, do you want us to taunt with strangers? Do you is not it want a us to latency taunt? issue? Are they concerned if people taunt spam? It's just going to apparently bog not because down? no, that's the thing. They're letting you taunt when you're in an arena where you have like six people spectating a match where you'd think you'd want to get rid of any possible latency. Whoa, issues. wait, 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 wait! The, the arena, like when you're actually battling and people are watching, you can taunt. Yeah, you I can... thought you just meant on the boxing ring area. No, 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 no. Which would, which I was like, how you don't even have your character? No, yet. that's right. Okay, you, that makes that's sense. you can taunt in arena matches. Where people are watching, where there's debatably more latency, but you can't taunt in one v ones or two v twos or four v fours. So it is Nintendo babysitting people. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense because no. you're in both cases you're playing with strangers. Like, are they saying that all oh, your? I don't know. I guess I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. Well, here's another question for you. Actually, what are your thoughts on the news that Me Fighter costumes are coming to Ultimate and will be DLC that you buy individually at 75 cents a pop and there's nothing included with the Fighters Pass and there's no separate costume pass. You just buy individual Me Fighter costumes for 75 cents, which is a little less than the price of M&M's. That's fine because back when they were included or there were like – because back then they were only sold in packs. Mm. And there were a lot of them that like I didn't care about. Like I just want the King K. Rule one, or I just want the Monster Hunter one, uh, or, or I just okay. want. Or so I just, you like all the cart, or I just want the the Lloyd one, but I have to buy all these other ones that I don't care about. I have to buy the Secret Agents with the briefcase or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but so you're cool with all the cart. Yeah, because yeah, I've always wondered like how many people even buy these. I mean, if it's like, I like the ones that. Like pretty much make your character all but that character. Right. Like I like I love the Lloyd one because it really makes you feel like Lloyd. A lot of the sword fighter moves almost feel like they were pulled straight from Tales of Symphonia, mm-hmm. except they just changed the names. Like Sword Rain is right in there, Sword Pierce is right in there. The I forgot what the other one was called, Tiger Strike. But, but it's basically like having a new character. Yeah, it was like literally you're playing as Lloyd, but you have a me face. So I'm right. like. Ugh. And then I think the one. But could that, you make a me that looks like Lloyd? And no, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still like a meified Lloyd. Oh yeah, yeah, a chibi I mean, Lloyd. Yeah, I mean you can't get rid of that. But I mean, I was ha- I was fine with that. But I do like right. the ones like the Monster Hunter where it just kind of looks like a chibi bodied Monster Hunter. But right. I the mean, face is blocked. Yeah, with but the, mask. the face is blocked. I love it when the face is blocked. I hate it when they give us like, all right, here is the bunny from the what's that called? The app where you get the pins. Uh, uh, badge. Badge arcade. Badge arcade. Well, yeah, from the Badge Arcade. Is it called Badge Arcade? No, it's not. It's something else. It's something arcade, but something I'm, I'm Badge Arcade. Well, anyway, like, he is coming out of the Amiibo hat, but he's like a hoodie. So you still see the bunny's face on top, and then your face comes out through the bottom. So, I don't but, know. I, I wish they would just, like, yeah. why can't we just be theme park mascots? Just give us the full, like, bunny head so we don't have to see the me face. By the way, his name is, the game's name is Nintendo Badge Arcade. Oh. Duh. We're close. <laughs> Does part of the name, just so we're clear. It's Nintendo Badger Arcade, comma, duh, period. But yeah. But yeah, no, I get what you mean. Yeah. It's, um, like, I, I feel I, like, you know, I feel much like I hate the ones that have the face sticking to out. To be honest, I think part of the reason the faces stick out like is. Like Chibi Robo. It's like, why? Just give us a giant I, Chibi Robo head. Why does Chibi Robo have to be another head? I honestly think part of the reason, and I didn't really think about this till I saw a comment on the Polygon article about this announcement, is that um, someone's like, yeah, my kid loves to play as their me and dress up. I'm like, oh, well, if you're viewing it not as you're playing as those characters, but you're dressing up your me, I kind of get it. Like, yeah. if it's like, oh, this is the digital version of me, and I'm dressing as my favorite character, opposed to I'm trying to be yeah, the equivalent but, of but, that but character. But if I'm trying to dress up as my favorite character, I, know you're not, I, 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 saying, I would still you know, want like a full head mask. Oh, well, maybe little I mean, kids like to be like, look, but I'm still me. 
Like how often during Halloween do like elementary school kids show up in complete head to head to toe like outfits? Like I mean, if they if the costume costs for it, they do. Oh, they do. Okay. I mean, so then they they use go. like full the face paint and stuff like that. I mean, well, that's it, the answer. Dude. It's not like they attach a whole separate head on top of their head. They never do that. Man, I did my Halloween costumes all wrong as a kid. No, I didn't do that either. But Man, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I hate it. Well, okay, let's end the Smash stuff on a positive note because you had all that that you didn't like. But, dude, I am loving the spirit board mode. Dude. Dude. Dude, bro. Bro. No, but seriously, like, when I was first playing Smash or when we talked about it in our last episode or whatever, I never really, like, touched spirit board at all. I was mostly doing World of Light or just straight online play with no voice chat. Um, but, man, like, spirit board is my new favorite thing. I think it's one of the most – this is going to be bold. Honestly, I feel like it's one of the most addicting modes I've played in a game in a while. Like it's so so for those who haven't tried it yet, which I imagine if you're listening, you maybe have. But basically, you're presented with a grid of different spirits you can earn. You select a spirit, you do the special theme battle around it, you win, and you can add to your collection. The catch is that the spirits rotate out about every five minutes, all at separate times. So you'll do a battle, go back to the board, see a spirit that's about to vanish, do that battle, go back to the board. There's another one that's about to run out of time and vanish, so then you do that one, and you just kind of are in this loop forever. And I think it's partially that sense of urgency that keeps me so hooked. Like, World of Light, that presents basically the same, like, structure, right down to needing to equip spirits to win different battle conditions, but it's slower. It's padded by the world map. You have fewer options at any one time. With the spirit board, I'll go in and see which spirits are available, decide to get, let's say, you know, Drake Redcrest from Chibi Robo out of you know perhaps 10 different choices and then when i go back to spirit board i'm like okay maybe i'll leave and then i'm like oh no i only have 40 seconds to get smear goal of hit pokemon video game gold and silver version i better jump on that so i jump on that and then i get it and then i go back and it's someone else all of a sudden and it's admittedly a very gimmicky way to keep people engaged um like it really kind of feels like a cheap mobile game ploy just without the in-game purchase angle but it works that's the thing it works and i think part of what makes it work is that almost reminds me of collecting pokemon cards you've got these different ranks of spirit that range from novice to legendary admittedly they aren't the same as rarity and pokemon cards those these ranks are strictly like battle difficulty opposed to frequency that you'll see the spirit come back but when like a legendary one comes along and you get it it kind of has that similar thrill of like at least from a collecting perspective when you get that super cool holographic charizard or whatever like, you do see more novice cards than you see legendary ones. And, you, and there is kind of that feeling that, oh, you really achieved something by getting this special one. And, like, with Pokemon cards, they also have special edition spirits on the board for limited time. So, you know, like, with Pokemon, I remember when Pokemon the movie 2000 came out, it's like, oh, do you want the ancient Mew card? Well, you have to go see the movie and we'll give it to you there. And this, it's like, there are these ones that pop up and go away during special events. Uh, we talked about it last episode, but Nintendo's been doing these weekly spirit board events around different themes characters with glasses fire emblem this week it's all uh, 80s nintendo games but last week was interesting because last week they did super mario party and it included three spirit spirits a dice block uh the river rafting minigame art and a golden mushroom and they were only available during the event they were exclusive to the event so i found myself unintentionally like planning around when each one would be available like i stayed up till 2 a.m just get the river rafting one because i knew at 2 p.m the next day i wouldn't be home or i was here i was playing smash with you and elvis and the golden mushroom like that time for it popped up and i backed out of our multiplayer burrowed into my own switch 
got that and then just kept going through spirits and it took for a while for me to be like oh wait i have real people i could be playing with let me step back and go do multiplayer again and i again i think it was that sense of urgency and collectability that really just it's like this like i said it's like this endless feedback loop where just like oh yeah and you just keep going 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 i mean it's not to say the most perfect it's not one thing i think they could have easily done away with in, with spirits in general really is the need to like shoot to capture after you won a battle like you earn the spirit already why do you need to earn it a second lesser way after already yeah, fighting for it kinda... it's weird and there has been one or two instances where it was like the really fast spin and i didn't get the spirit i'm like but i fought 12 like i fought for so i did so well why but i also still think um there's not enough context that last part feels very tanked on it feels very unnecessary yeah yeah but i also think there's not enough context around each spirit like spirit board unlike world of light does give you the name of the series the character is from but unlike with uh like recent smash games trophy collections you know brawl we what have you uh one cool thing that actually one cool thing it does unlike those games is it pulls from way more history from nintendo i mean there's all sorts of stuff from like the deep annals of like nintendo's Jap- japan only releases i mean i think there's 1300 different spirits so they kind of have to do that and that's cool but the downside is just getting the name of some of these obscure Japanese releases doesn't really help much. So like, it's great that they actually put the series on the spirit board, unlike in World of Light, but it sucks that they don't tell you anything about it. Like, I would love to get a short blurb about what I'm looking at. What game was this from? What is this guy? What does he do? Is he the hero, the villain, a side character? I don't know sometimes. So if they added those blurbs, that would have gone a long way. But, you know, those things aside... Ignoring the tacked on thing, ignoring the lack of information, I'm really, really loving spirit board mode. And the fact that the spirits you collect can be used across World of Light, they can still be leveled up through equipping them or doing the automated RPG stuff, like sending them away for battle. It makes it feel like this whole single player experience in Smash and Ultimate is probably the most well rounded single player experience I've seen in a Smash game. Like, like you know, Subspace Emissary did its thing in Brawl, and there is the weird board game thing in, in the 3DS one. But this this feels like the most. the Wii U. One? I mean the Wii U one. Yeah, Smash thank you. Tour. Yeah, Smash Tour. But this at least they took the best part of that and yeah, and just kind of ran with it. But then the the whole spirit thing on top of it just makes it feel like the most like hearty, fulfilling. Like it, it really feels like it's a fully thought out system versus just a mode thrown in there. So so props to that. But yeah, and I mean, have you been? Do you do much with spirit boards? Yeah, sometimes. I I just really like it. I don't know. I don't it's know. part of my rotation. Like I'll go to the shop. Ah, part of your rotation, much like the spirits themselves. Am I see right? See if there's any new songs, then maybe I'll look at the spirit board. See if there's any characters I recognize, and and I do like actually. Now I think about it, like the thing with trophies because you were saying about going to the shop. Like I remember with trophies, it's like oh yeah, you can get all these cool trophies, and you can look at them in 3D, and they have the background information on characters, but you get them by spinning a capsule toy or machine or whatever, like some you know low key thing. These feel way more earned, even though the spirits themselves are less impressive because they're just old stock art versus stock you know like stock character art versus 3d renders like you do feel like you earned them which makes them and the way they're presented is actual cards to go back to the pokemon card analogy is actually kind of cool but anyway yeah that's all i got about spirits um i guess that i I think we're finally out things to say for smash we've done three episodes of smash did you get any of the spirits from this current rotation what's the uh, well not yet because they're not actually you're talking about the donkey kong one so it's so here's what's done about it first Nintendo keeps calling it the classics event, 
no Nintendo. It's called Now You're Playing with Spirit Power, which is a much better name, and you should just embrace it. Like, that's what they're calling it in Japan. I don't know why they're in their Twitter at least calling it the Classics event. But no, I have not done it yet, funny enough, because, uh, well, one, I was working on this, but two, this being the podcast, but two, um, none of them are actually exclusive. They're rare. They're more frequently appearing, but none are exclusive to the event. So yeah, I would like to, when I have a chance, do it and get some that will be harder to get down the line, but it's not quite as, like, I need to do it or else as the Mario Party one was a week ago. Mm. But once I'm in there, as soon as I go to the Spirit Board, I won't leave for like an hour straight. Like I get sucked in, or like two hours straight. I get like totally sucked in. But yeah, there is one other multiplayer game we've been playing. Unless you have any other thoughts on Smash. No. So when we were playing Smash Bros. this holiday, one thing with a lot of people that we kept doing, and we've been doing it for months now, we just never really got a chance to talk about it, is the latest Jackbox Party Pack, Jackbox Party Pack 5, which normally... Just saying this up front, normally it costs 30 bucks, but right now on the eShop, it's on sale for only $21. I don't know how long that will last, but as of this recording, it is on sale. So if you like what you hear about the game when we, when Andrew and I talk about it, mostly him, it's his game, um, yeah, but, go download it. But we play it together. Yeah, we do play it together. So, I mean, do you want – you own it. Why don't you lead us off here? Jackbox Party Pack 5 is made up of a few games. Book report style? Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> It does have, what, like five games? Yeah, I mean, just like all the other... And we've done just like all, four. I think we've done four. Yeah, yeah, like the other party packs, there are... I mean, the ones we've played, we've done four, actually, yeah. Like, the ones we've played so far are really fun and different. Like they They're have, very different from other Jackboxes, actually. Yeah, in general. Like, yeah. the, the tone... I mean, like, even the, the You Don't Know Jack is way more streamlined, especially compared to the first one. Um, they do have this character that they really seem to love. Jack? Um, no, this other one. Oh. Um, he talks for a while. Let's put it that way. But Jack, he, it's some guy that is he um, bald. I th- I think the name of the host is Cookie Maestrone or something like that. Okay. Yeah, but that's the guy that <laughs> talks most of the time. I haven't done the You Know Jack mode yet, so. Um, but it, it's really fun. Like, I mean, the trivia questions are really clever, and the presentation is pretty slick and quick. Um, it kind of combines everything it did from all the Jackbox. I mean, from all other You Know Jacks, which. One of the biggest ones was introducing the screw mechanic, which um, if you're falling behind, well, before um, everyone started with a screw and the screw, pretty much you pick a person to screw over and they have to answer the question in less than five seconds. And if they get it wrong, they lose even more points. But if they get Mm -hmm. it right, Mm -hmm. the person that tried to screw you over ends up losing points. This time around, they give it, they change it into kind of like a blue shell mechanic but not quite as bad um i guess it depends like on the first round um if you're falling behind at the end of the round one you'll get the screw and you can use it to cause random things to happen to your opponent's board because it affects everyone else and like for example it'll either make the options bounce around your screen so you'll have to try to tap the right one and not accidentally tap an incorrect one or it might make them really small and if you get the screw in the second round because you were falling behind then you have to, well, there's a bunch of different ones, but one that I got was that you would you have to input a long password that they gave you, but you have to put it in before you answered the question. And I didn't Oof. have enough time to type yeah. it in and answer the question. Yeah, that's not like it could be kind of tricky, actually. But but you know, Jack, it's pretty fun. I I, I really like that one just as far as like trivia games go because it's pretty different. I mean, it's, like, just it's like, like, like the OG like, it, of it, Jackbox, really. It, it just has. The presentation is just like ninety percent of it, yeah. because most trivia games are just here's the question. This one, like it, everything flows so smoothly between questions that it almost feels like you're watching an entire pre-recorded 
trivia segment. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, there's more than just those questions. Mm-hmm. So it, it's pretty, it's, it's interesting going back to it because you'll see brand new quote unquote segments that you didn't before. Right. Like there's one that they call like um, Queen of England, Octopus, Peanut, or I forgot what the, or Robot, or oh, no, or Frankenstein. And every single answer is e- the answer is either Octopus, Peanut, um, the Queen of England, or Frankenstein. But they have like this whole animated sequence that goes with it that. Huh. It's yeah. like, wow, how many questions did they come up with that have... That fit this specific yeah, category. That could yeah. potentially be, though. Like, one of them was like, what was discovered in the 1920s? And apparently... Queen of England. Yeah, it was the Queen of England. But... Wait, I was, wait, I was kidding. It was? Yeah, it was. What do you mean it was discovered? Well, you know, like, which one, like... Yeah, was discovered at that point. I mean, she was born in that... Oh, okay. Yeah, that works. Yeah, she was born in that time. Because, yeah. I mean, peanuts were older. Octopuses were discovered yeah. before that. I answered right, and I have an understanding what they meant. Go me. Yeah, but that's that one. The other one that is also like a, a crowd pleaser, I would say, is the rapping robots. Madverse City. Yeah, Madverse. I love Madverse City. Yeah, so that one is also pretty different from past Jackboxes because this is probably the one you write the most in. Oh, yeah, you're doing full sentences. Like, first, you have to come up with a word with some, like, Mad Lib style. Like, they'll tell you, give us a verb or give us something that goes with this. Sometimes it, it works most of the time. Sometimes, grammatically, it ends up not really working. Right. Even though you... Try, but then after that, you get to come up with your own sentence. After that, that For just the has second to, line of that the just verse. has to rhyme. But they'll give you the first line, and then you have to just come up with the second verse. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you have a good group of friends to play with, like it's it's really really funny. Also, just aesthetically, it's one of the cooler Jackbox things. Like they did, it's these giant robots. They're kind of like riffs on Transformers, but instead of cars, all these weird '80s things, like a calculator, a fo- or in '90s things, yeah. like a calculator, or a cell phone, Tiger Electronics, Tiger Electronics. I guess it's all '90s, not '80s. But, but yeah, and it's just like, it just, yeah, and they really lean in on the robots are rapping to the point that they actually say what you write in robot voices. It's an excuse for them to use voice technology to read what you wrote that's robotic, basically. Yeah, and then, and then there's another one called Split the Room, which isn't as funny, but I feel like it's still, like, just as good of a game, like, design-wise, just because you really have to, this one is more about just, like, how well do you know the room? Because the whole object of the game is to, they'll give you, they'll start you off with a scenario, and you have to complete the scenario so that, like, for example, um, you get a billion dollars, but mm-hmm. you're, like, you're going to inherit a billion dollars, but your father-in-law or whatever has a condition that you ha- for it. And the condition is you have to give up your first blank. Or you have to give up blank. Your first child or blank. Oh, no, no. Right? No, no, not for sure. It's just your first blank. Oh, you you right. write in whatever you want. Someone wrote in the, your first child. Yeah. So you have to write something in there that will be as polarizing as possible and not like controversial, just like something that will make people go like, uh, I'll go with like, will you do it? Like, will I give up blank or will I not give up blank? Which, which threw me in a loop because it's honestly opposite of the other Jackboxes where you're supposed to be as, as outlandish as possible. This one's like, actually, no, you are better off doing something that's safer because, but more like divisive. You like know what I mean? thought-provoking. Yeah, like thought-provoking, which, which definitely is a different vibe. Yeah, I mean, I, I still really liked it. I it's mean, cool. Yeah, it, it won't. It just cause a lot of laughs, but it is. It is yeah, a well different game. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, um, what was the other one? Patently stupid. Oh yeah, patently stupid. That one's pretty interesting because everyone like takes turns like pretty much coming up with their own inventions. And yeah, first to it. it's like it's like multi step because first you do a Mad Lib to for market research, which is like there's a problem and you are creating the problem by filling in a blank for what the problem is. So it's like, you know, someone can't do blank. And then you put a word, and you don't know that's the sentence, but you put the word like read. This is a bad example. So then the next person gets that phrase of someone can't 
do read ink <laughs> or whatever. And then it's up to you to come up with an invention that fixes that. Yeah. And what's, what's weird about it is there's then a third phase. It actually requires... Well, you have to draw it, yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and you draw the invention, and then there's a third phase where there's, like, outside engagement, where, like, you're not just doing what's in the game. It's not, like, okay, now pitch the game, pitch the concept, pick, pitch your invention as a keynote, like an Apple-style keynote, to the other players. And this is, I think, the first time that there's a physical IRL, real-world thing you have to do for Jackbox. And you pitch it, and then people vote on their favorite, right? Yeah. The, the, what's interesting is like you kind of need because it's more real world. You do like the, when I noticed when I play it, it's immediately popped in head. You need people to be super on board with the idea. Like it's kind of like charades. If someone doesn't really want to do charades or doesn't want to actually act it out, you're not gonna have as much fun as if you're totally all in and going full like yeah, I'm Steve Jobs type of thing. So that to me was interesting because Jackbox it went beyond digital really for the first time with this mode. Yep. So. So not to hijack what you were saying. Oh, no, no, I, no, I just good. thought that was a really interesting thing that they're – like really all – the whole compilation. There's another game which neither of us have played, right? Yeah, but this one is definitely of like a first for Jackbox because it's like a real-time – It's called Zeeple Dome. Yeah, it's like a real-time action game where like everyone's like pretty much launching balls at each other. You're and... flinging you're, – it's like you're slingshotting characters or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's – but normally, like, Jackbox are all about, like, you know, words and drawings. And jokes. But, you know, stuff you could do at your own pace. Well, I mean, yeah. within a time limit. Yeah. But this one is, like, a real-time, like, multiplayer game that you control from your phones, which just, like, requires more testing. So we'll get back to you guys on that one. Yeah, but I d- that one does that. Patently Stupid, Split the Room. Like, those three in particular really, like, it's interesting. They embody an interesting new angle Jackbox is taking, which is they're expanding into new types of games. I mean, they had to. They have five of these. There's only so many variations of, like, write words on your phone then beam it to the TV that you can come up with as a developer. But it is it is interesting that, like, we're getting different genres. We're getting more physicality. We're getting not funny things as much. Like, it's, it's, they're really branching out. So I'm curious, like, what will Jackbox Party Pack 6 have? Because they're still going to keep pumping these out. They sell great. So, like, are we going to see it go, like, full, like, Pictionary? Like, what's going to happen? It's 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 an interesting, like, we're at, like, the turning, not the turning point, but, like, an, we're at a tipping point, I guess, of where this could get real interesting or kind of lose its core charm. Like, it's hard to say. Like, these are great, but I'm curious where they go from here. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. But it's a good compilation. And like I said, it's, not, it's $9 off right now. So if you need something to play with all your family that already left because the holidays are over. Well, we got the game for you. But, um, yeah, I think that just about does it for this episode, unless there's anything else you want to say about Jack. Um, that you don't know Jack. I don't actually know a single person named Jack. True story. Really? Really. Really? Really. Huh. And I'll talk about it more in our next episode. No, but uh, our next episode is coming up on January 20th. Uh, well, of course, you know, I'll have all this news and whatever we've been playing. I actually just started playing Horizon Chase Turbo on Switch, and I like it so far. So, at bare minimum, you can expect impressions of that. But at potential maximum, you may also get um, – is that a thing? Bare minimum and potential maximum. But you may also uh, get to hear our thoughts on a new Nintendo Direct because mid to late January, that's when the episode goes up. That's when Nintendo traditionally does the first Direct of the year. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? Maybe they'll already prove and or disprove a lot of our predictions and theories from this episode. Maybe it will be called Hotel Luigi. Who knows? We'll all find out together. It'll be a grand old time. So to make sure you don't miss it, uh, you can subscribe to us on all the podcasting apps or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., etc. Whatever you use, you can probably find us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You never know when we might do more giveaways. Um, and with that, yeah, I uh, I just do you have any thoughts? Final thoughts? 
Um, I guess not. All right. Well, I'll just leave it at this. Go out and um, live your best life in the new year, guys. Yeah. That's an upbeat ending.